Blog Talk Radio. Doing this thing all the way live. High Frequency Radio. High frequency. High, frequency. High frequency. Yeah. Yeah. Sync up. Sync up. Sync up. Already. Already. Yay. I get up with the frequency each and every morning. Thanks, practice, gratitude, commence brainstorming. Live awake, excited, new day, new me. TSA, courtesy of JRE and Scott Free. Too many folks shallow, scared to drown in the deep end. And I ain't pointing fingers, best believe I was one of them. The pain I was numbing in, self-inflicted punishment. The streets I was running in led me to consciousness. Yes, they can steal my flows, but can't block my shine, baby. You see my glow? Now I live in the light, radiating love. Sun, you're a star as below, so above. Am I too metaphysical? Are you over analytical? So many situations get critical. I'm a warrior, survivor is an understatement. Started subterranean, now we in the cosmos on some milky wavy shit. Sun kissed, melanin rich, health is wealth, we live abundant. Connected with the oneness, I'm off my dumb shit. I bring to you substance more specific, life is synchronistic. All is energy, fact, over fiction when I rap. That high frequency, yeah, we on that. Sync with the most divine, catch contact. Physicality beyond that, high frequency, we on that. Mind over matter, thoughts not. Yeah, stars co-create and spiral up No ladder to heaven or hell Can you leave a trail The high and low polarities The vibrations they all read Day to day just hoping Yay. Going through the motions Yay. Staring at the doors Who could ever get this open uh-huh. Till I uncovered the secret to keeping it real I got in touch with my soul To fan my frequency field We playing follow the leader The leader ain't going nowhere That's why I'm living my life with a sovereign mind All I want in this world is to spread love and greatness to you Using my music for we out of time 
know for the divine I'm doing my due diligence Giving some peace to views that's too militant Doing it different, I got purpose and position Feel the vibration, transmission is the mission Need you to listen to these words, my dude I swear my third eye got a bird's eye view And do you wanna sync up? Cause I do Surfing this wave, follow as we ride through All this energy, fact, over fiction when I rap That high frequency, yeah we on that Sync with the most divine, catch contact Physicality beyond that, high frequency we on that Mind over matter, thoughts not scattered Co-stars, co-creating, spiral up, no latitude Heaven or hell, it's in you, leave a trail The high and low polarities, the vibrations, they all real let it marinate, cause this is very great to every state The burden on my back, well I carry weight High frequency, high power, free spirit Talking to the man upstairs and yeah, he hear it Man, I'm riding the wave inspired by the days When we sparked up, that was the light of the haze But now I'm synced up, yeah, my drink's up Am I drinking again? Well, you know, yeah, the gig's up Freedom ain't free, believe them, they not me The oppressor knows my melanin rich And I'm scot free, that means I got away BS, not today, stop and say we good Okay, no more drops today This the high frequency, they gon' feel this Still with optimism, but still, I'm the real List. They gon' feel this, yeah, real quick. Bring the chorus in, that's real shit. All this energy, fact, over fiction when I rap. That high frequency, yeah, we on that. Sync with the most divine, catch contact. Physicality beyond that, high frequency, we on that. Mind over matter, thoughts not scattered. Co-stars, co-creating, spiral up, no latitude. Heaven or hell, it's in you, leave a trail. The high and low polarities, the vibrations, they all real. Yeah, peace to the gods, brother you should found. High frequency radio, yeah we on that. Peace brother Paul Savage L. You already know, you are locked in, tuned in live. High frequency radio. Sync up. Sync up. Sync up. Sync up. The information station that's waking up the nation. High frequency radio network. Sync up. You're listening to Yusuf L. on the baddest radio network on the planet, High Frequency Radio.
Let me give you one piece of advice. Be honest. He knows more than you can imagine. At last. Welcome, Neil. As you no doubt have guessed, I am Morpheus. It's an honor to meet you. No. The honor is mine. Please, come. Sit. I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole, hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Ironically, this is not far from the truth. Do you believe in fate, Neil? No. Why not? Because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life. I know exactly what you mean. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all 
I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Your number one source for knowledge in the information age. High Frequency Radio Network. Yeah, check it, man. Give you some of this, man. Hold her in due course. Give you a little bit of the meaning real quick. Check it. Yeah. Holder in due course in commercial law, a holder of an instrument who took it for value in good faith and without notice of any claim or defense against it. UCC 3 302. And who can enforce an instrument free from all claims and personal defense? UCC 3 305. This is what you do if you living in New York. DBA 130 holder in due course. In the temple, make a prayer with my shoes off. Rule 17, I'm a holder in due course. This is what you do if you living in New York. DBA 130 holder in due course. In the temple, make a prayer with my shoes off. Rule 17, I'm a holder in due course. Once upon a time, I was issued a fine Thinking in my mind, I wasn't focused on time The cop gave me a ticket and told me to go to court I was in my thoughts just saying it was a fraud Authenticated my life birth certificate and claim That I'm the only one that can write a check off the name Common law copyrighted my DBA In his back by a bond called the GSA All this property I got, they try to scheme on it But tell the sheriff that I put a lien on it they're hating on this land with the trees on it I erected the trust and I put the deed on it I want to live in peace but I can use force It's cut so living when you in New York The agent on the stand, one we in the court But he's not really the holder in due course This is what you do if you living in New York DBA 130 holder in due course In the temple make a prayer with my shoes off Rule 17, I'm the holder in due course This is what you do if you living in New York DBA 130 holder in due course In the temple make a prayer with my shoes off Rule 17, I'm the holder in due course Got a mortgage loan, I discharge it Without following the chapter 11 I'm trying to make connections And pass the message to my people Cause the mortgage over 5 years man Is illegal It's a crown in the fee simple estate Rule 17 I'm coming in as the G 
Open the books up when they dusty. Got a 3% interest for my trustees. Held a meeting with the chance floor. Got a 9-8 for my son in the grand tour. Pushing all this paperwork my hands saw. I don't make a contract with a landlord. Business on the private side, I'm foreign. I don't go to court and entertain the argument. I'm above the hypocrites and jargon. Now the prosecutor trying to make a bargain. Hoping I don't call upon the cavalry. Cause we can go to the ocean and deal with amity. While I'm making prayer with my shoes off. Endorsing all these instruments to hold her in due course. This is what you do if you living in New York. DBA 130 holder in due course. In the temple make a prayer with my shoes off. Rule 17, I'm gonna hold her in due course. This is what you do if you living in New York. DBA 130 holder in due course. In the temple make a prayer with my shoes off. Rule 17, I'm gonna hold her in due course. Peace. Peace. All right. Testing, testing, testing. Just testing the mic, y'all. Peace to the gods. Peace to the gods. You are listening to High Frequency Radio. I'm your host, Yusuf L. I was having a little bit of technical difficulties this morning, y'all. I ain't been on the air and I don't know how long. Got a real good show lined up for you today. It is January 1st, 2020, broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia. Got a special guest lined up for you today. We got two sisters coming on. And they are going to kick some information for us today. Got some real good stuff for y'all today. Hold on, y'all. Let me... Let me get all my stuff set up right. I make sure everything is uh, flowing. Make sure everything's going real good. If my if my guests are listening on the phone, I need all y'all to hit one for me real quick. I need all my guests that's going to come on today. I need y'all to hit number one on your phone. So I can bring you on in, so I can locate you. All right, I think I see, I think I see you now. Okay, got everything back. All right, all right, all right. All right, let me 
pull my guests in. Thirty nine twenty three. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, you loud and clear. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm kind of like discombobulated this morning. I don't, you know, I ain't been on the air in a while, so I'm forgetting. That's almost like, man, how do you drive this car now? You know what this button right here for? Got what this button is for? <laughs> how you doing this morning? Hey, We're good. We're great. We got the credit new year, divas, new one of the finance divas. Is that is yeah, that what yeah. y'all fancy yourself as the finance divas? Yes, indeed. And why is that? I'm gonna give you this is what I usually do on my show. I you know, I know this is y'all first time on and I was, you know, have has I've had the chance to speak with both of you young ladies and I was very impressed with your knowledge and information that you have. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give each one of you an opportunity to tell a little bit about yourself, your background, um, you know, what it is that you do, you know, yada, 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 yada. So, you know, go ahead. The floor is yours. I'm going to give you like five <laughs> minutes to introduce yourself to the people. So go ahead. Hello, everyone. My name is Shauncee Fion. Um, I'm the oldest of uh, this twin duo here. And I've been in the financial industry uh, straight out of high school. Um, I started my career with SunTrust Bank, um, kind of moved through the ranks there um, into loan officer. From there, I moved into um, being a mortgage broker. And, of course, we know what happened in uh, 2007, 2008. Uh, The bottom dropped out of uh, mortgages. So I found myself in a place where I needed to be able to replace the kind of income and lifestyle that I had grown accustomed to while doing mortgages. And I ended up finding my true passion, which is in insurance. Um, so I've been in the insurance industry since 2009, uh, celebrated just this summer 10 years in the industry. Um, and truly when it comes to uh, generational wealth, so some of the things that uh, my, my twin sister and I, um, we seek to impart knowledge and understand ourselves is how to have, obtain, and more importantly, maintain generational wealth. And I often teach um, a lot of the differences between making millions and being a millionaire. And that'll be something that we can discuss today because a lot of people feel like, oh, I just want to make a million dollars. Making a million dollars and being a millionaire are two totally different things. But my journey, my life's journey has uh, brought me to the place where my greatest passion is, which is in the insurance industry, and it's so peculiar because as as um, a black nation, as African-Americans in this country, uh, our greatest wealth opportunity is really hidden right blindly right in front of our face, and it's something that we run away from, we shy away from. Um, but I'm here uh, thanks, you know, to the opportunity that you're uh, allowing us to be able to share that knowledge. And, um, yeah, we're going to get into some real, real – uh, deep stuff in talking about, you know, insurance, talking about how to build uh, and establish your own bank, how to have generational wealth, how to uh, properly prepare for taxes, as as you and I have had some discussions about, you know, tax avoidance and tax planning is it's two totally different things. So um, I'm excited to be here. That's a little bit about me. Now I'm going to give the floor to uh, my twin, Shoni Mion. 
so she can let you guys know what she's all about. Hi, everyone. This is Shoni Mion, and I am a financial advisor. I want to take a little bit of time and tell you how I became a financial advisor and what drove me into the world of finance. Um, we grew up, my great-grandmother uh, owned several different things. She owned property. She owned uh, Orange Grove. She also owned a, um, I would say, a general store that eventually turned into a juke joint. I don't know how many of y'all know what a juke joint is, but um, what we what we grew up learning, she also had a taxi, a taxi cab. Uh, her properties, as well as the taxi cab, was at the Green Book down in Florida. So growing up, all we knew was business. You know, our family didn't work for other people. They worked for themselves. So my uncles and granddad, they, uh, they had a, a construction company. They helped build um, several of the um, city's uh, government buildings, like the post office there. So that's what we that's what we saw. So when I went to middle school, I had a, a male teacher who was a history teacher, but at the end of class, he would take time, and he would actually give out pay- the newspaper where the stocks were. And uh, he actually, all he told us was one strategy, buy low, sell high. So the student who had the best portfolio at the end, he had a prize that actually won. So that kind of gave me a little bit of an introduction into stocks, you know, and things like that. But um, it wasn't until I got to FAMU, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all. <clears throat> um, when I got to FAMU, I actually went to business, and there was a pre- professor that told all of us that if you don't know where you've been, you don't know where you're going. So he was more like a, a business historian. So when he did all of our families, um, he did all. He looked at my grandmother's properties, um, which were no longer in the family. Um, he 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 put a valuation on it. And when I saw what the property would have been in 1997, I called my sister. I was like, "Man, we lost a lot of stuff because she died when we were 10 in 1989." So that got me to thinking, "Wow, if you have you know the Rockefellers, you have all these other big families who." have maintained generational wealth for generations to generations, I wanted to know what could we do to, you know, help other black families sustain it. More and more importantly, help us in our family to get it back. So that's why I became a financial advisor, started learning about stocks and bonds, what their purpose was, and helping people put put portfolios together. And that's my passion. And so right now I'm gonna give it back to my twin. Okay. She can share a little bit more. Well, my sister and I, we came together uh, really, I'd say probably last year. Uh, Our grandmother, who's our mom's mom, um, you know, she was in, you know, the hospital. We knew um, she wasn't going to recover. And it was her dream that we worked together. Uh, Because my sister and I imagine twins. I don't know if you've ever known any twins in your life. Sometimes twins can be ultra competitive with each other. And that certainly is the case with my twin sister and I. She'll tell you I came out first, but if you ask her who's the oldest, she'll say I'm the oldest because she kicked me out, not because I really was born first. Um, so we have, we've from birth, we've always had this natural competitiveness with each other. Um, but my grandmother wanted us to use that competitiveness, uh, come together and um, change the world as opposed to doing it separately. So, um, we've, we definitely tried. Uh, we've learned from last year a lot of, you know, the mistakes and how to, how to stay in our lane 
And in meeting you, Joseph, um, you know, it's been uh, life-changing to have someone that says, hey, you guys both know a lot. You know, you have your expertise here and you have your expertise here, um, but you guys are competing with each other instead of coming together. Um, so, you know, we're, we are definitely embarking on that again to come together, uh, bring both of our talents, our knowledge, our expertise together um, as a powerful entity to empower others. So, are you still there? Hello, am I on? Joseph? I'm not sure. If okay, I'm there on. I am. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Y'all hear me? <laughs> no problem. <laughs> okay, y'all got me? Yeah, I got you. Could you hear me? Yeah, I can hear y'all fine. I can hear y'all fine. Okay, okay apologize perfect, for that. Um, now, we're going to get into some some discussions today. You know, I like, you know, I sat around and listened to y'all talking. I, I got somebody else on the line who wants to join in on the conversation, too. I'm going to let her in. Uh, Tamara's on, on the line, and I'm going to let her uh, ch- come in and chime in a little bit uh, herself. You know, she got her uh her lane that she does, you know, it's all these females I've been around, you know, that are doing all these things and everything. I'm like, wow, you know, there's one in real estate, one in finance, one in insurance. And I was very impressed with all uh, everyone's uh, uh, knowledge of what they had. And I'm like, you know, we got to be able to do something with this. All this, you know, this is a brain trust that I'm surrounded by. And I want to get into, uh, I think this will be a good way to start off the year. And, you know, giving all of our listeners, uh, you know, educating them about different things, because a lot of people don't have, you know, uh, the inside track on certain things like credit. I mean, I was just blown away with the insurance thing that you were telling me about the insurance. Um, You know, credit, I understand the importance of credit. You know, we live in a credit-based economy uh, and so forth, the the importance of having that, um, of investments and things of that nature. And before we get into this, though, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Tamara chime in a little bit, and uh, I'm gonna let her, you know, tell a little bit about herself as well. You know, Ms. Hey, Lee, you're on the line. Hi guys, how are you? Good. How you doing, hon? Hey, Tamara. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Happy New Year's, everyone. Happy, Happy New Year. Year. Thank you. Hey, yeah. I wanted to just just a short uh, bio about me. I'm um, I'm Number eight out of nine children, my family comes um, from Chicago, from Chi-Town. And basically, my background is dealing with real estate and finance. And one of the things that my father told me as a little child was you should always own the land that your feet stands on. And if you go back in history, you will understand how important it is to own land, to own real estate. There has been there have been wars fought, there have been continents that have been conquered, and the first thing that conquerors do is they take the land. The land is where the resources are. So when you're talking about generational wealth, when you are talking about assets, to me the most important asset that any of us can have, which is an um as far as an African community, you will see in our country that that has something that has been taken from us because of the relative importance of it. If you study any billionaires or millionaires, you will find out that a large, a large part of their portfolio is real estate. You cannot get away from it. God is not making any more land. It is the most important 
one of the most important things that you can have um, in your coffer to hand down to your children. If you own the roof over your head, if you own the land that you stand your feet on, you can be a producer, which means all of our ancestors, they farmed land for hundreds of years that they never owned. So I say that to say my love of, I started out in, as a mortgage broker. Started out as a mortgage broker. I was a part of um, helping people have a piece of the American pie or the American dream, and that's home ownership. And I started out doing that in the 90s. Um, I went from being a loan officer to a mortgage broker. And I, that was the first time that I put my name on the door, and that was the first time that anyone in my family ever owned a business. And real estate and the mortgage or finance industry, they are my first love. It is, I always go back to what my father told us, always on the land that your feet stand on. So I've been in the industry since the early 90s. Um, one of the ladies mentioned earlier that after we had the crash of 2008, the financial collapse, that changed a lot of things um, in this country. There was basically generational wealth got wiped out within a matter of two to three years from a lot of, from the African-American communities. Um, it affected everybody, but we suffered the most. So after 2008, I took basically all of my business skills and my financial acuum, and I applied that to other areas of life and that uh, business finance. So I have an understanding of um, business structures. I have an understanding of business credit and how everything that we're basically going to talk about today, it all ties in. It's a revolving circle. It touches every aspect of all of our lives, and there's no way you can get around it. And these, um, I'm hoping that with this mastermind, we can pretty much um, give you an idea or or open a door and open your mind to thinking about ways where you can secure um, the future for you and your children. Um, so I, with, right. with that being said, I'm just part of the conversation, and I'm here. So. All right, all right, all right. That's what's up. That's what's up. Okay. All right, well, I want to start off today. Let's get to it. Let's just run, jump right into it. I want to talk about, I want to talk about, first of all, you know, I was talking uh, about this insurance thing. Uh, now, I, uh, my co-host, he deals with that. And, you know, there's a lot of people have been talking about insurance, making your own bank. And, you know, I got, that, you know, and just over the, the last couple of days, I've kind of gotten a new insight insight on this insurance and the purpose of insurance. That insurance is not for when you, this life insurance, shall, shall we say. It's not for when you die, but it's for actually for you to utilize when you're alive. Am I correct on that? You want to speak to that a little bit? Yes. So uh, an easy way to understand it is if you think about your auto insurance policy, right? Your auto insurance policy covers what? Your auto. You think about when you're a renter, if you have a renter's insurance policy, it covers the content inside the house as a renter. It doesn't cover the house. Your homeowner, you have a homeowner's policy. It covers what the home. Health insurance covers when you're sick. So one, I mentioned earlier that one of the greatest wealth components and tax transfer benefits uh, that's within the wealth industry, in my opinion, the number one, 
is hidden right plainly before our face because the average person thinks that life insurance is about death when really the death benefit is just a benefit of the actual contract itself. And so if you think about if I went to buy a car, I never would buy a car based off the kind of radio that's installed in the car because you could buy a car and you could put any kind of radio system in it you want. I don't. It frustrates me to no end because our people, we believe that life insurance is really death insurance. It's not about death insurance. It's about the transfer of wealth and the a way to accumulate wealth on a compound interest basis and to avoid on Uncle Sam. See, so when I say it's hitting pl- uh, plainly right before us, because most of us have the experience of life insurance, from when our, our, our great aunts, our great uncles, mama, big papa had the white man that came and knocked on the door and, you know, grandma then would give us the money. He would write down, you know, on a, we had a little uh, tally of the payment, you know, on a card. And then when our ancestors died, you know, our loved ones died, the policy paid out two, $3,000. Now, granted, back then, two, $3,000 was a lot of money when they first took out those industrial policies. They weren't even regular life insurance. They were industrial policies, and this was just a way for them to collect some more premium from our culture, but we also missed out on the equity of life insurance. And um, not to get too deep, but I tell you, if any time that you fill out a loan application, there's a section on that loan application under assets that lists life insurance. And most of us don't have any equitable life insurance to list on there because we don't understand that life insurance is about the quality of life that you want to have right now. And insurance, by definition, is uh, providing risk against the loss. So if you can understand what insurance is, any type of loss that you can sustain, that's why you buy insurance so that if that loss happens, it's really not a loss to you. It's already been taken care of. So if we could understand the concept of life insurance, that it really has nothing to do with death. It's all about uh, planning, first of all, securing your money, being able to make your money three-dimensional, meaning your money can grow for you, right? So if I plant corn seeds, what do I expect to get? A corn harvest. If I plant tomatoes, I plan to get tomatoes. We're the only people that believe that our work equity for money will produce more for us than planting money. Money will produce money faster than we ever could work for it. And therein lies one of the best ways to grow your money without any type of risk, without any type of uh, tax liability when it's done the right way is in life insurance. But we don't understand that because we're afraid of death. Wow. So now get into it a little bit more. You know, I want to, I don't know about like with, you know, making your your insurance like a bank, you know, you're talking about making it into a bank and, you know, all of this, you know, explain that to the people. You know, I'm going to sit back and I want to listen to you talk about that. All right. So you have two types of, of, of life insurance. You have a term life, which in the easiest way is think about when you're renting a home. You'll never own the home, but you're renting the right to live there. That's what term life insurance is. It has no equity because you're renting coverage for a certain amount of time, and when that time is over, you know, there's, there's nothing left. 
So term life is by far and large what we're sold. It has no equity. Then you have equitable life insurance, meaning it builds cash value, and as long as premiums are paid, you actually own the contract, okay? So that's what we're going to focus on is equitable life insurance. Now, anytime that you get a life insurance policy, whether it be whole life, universal life, or my favorite, index universal life, you have a contract. First of all, you have a contract, and the contract states that we're covering your life for this amount, amount of money. You're paying premiums, and upon your death, this is what a death benefit will pay out. However, within that contract, you have loan provisions, you have withdrawal provisions, and you also have every contract comes with what's called a side account. Okay, the side account is nothing more than the same thing that a commercial bank has given you when you open up a savings account or a checking account. It's a place where you can put your money. So when you put your money in a bank, you don't get to control what the bank does with that money. That bank is going to take that money. They're going to use that as collateral to issue credit cards, do auto loans to people, mortgage loans. When they get the auto loans and the mortgage loans, they're going to sell that note off, and then they turn a profit. So your average bank will take the money that you deposit in your savings account or your checking account, and they'll flip it seven ways very fast. Banks do not hold on to notes. They originate them, and then they sell them to investors that like the long-term payment, okay? So we have the ability to do that within ourselves. Uh, one of the best-known books known to man that most people would consider one of the best-known books or one of the best-selling books on the market called the Bible says you're called to be the lender and not the borrower. Okay, we, we gloss over that thinking, ah, I'm not meant to open up a commercial bank. It's not what it's talking about. It's saying you're supposed to be in control of what happens with your own money. And in life insurance, if you establish an equitable policy with the right company, so there are many life insurance companies out there, you have to be placed with the right company, okay? But when you have that policy and that contract, you also get the privilege of a side account. The side account is where you can overfund it, okay, and you, you're contributing money over and above what the base cost is to keep the life insurance policy in force, and therefore the life insurance company is going to grow that money for you. Most companies will give you anywhere from a 3% guaranteed interest rate on a compounded basis or more, okay? So it depends on, again, the, the company you get with. But as far as, to my knowledge, I'm saying three, because I'm sure there are a few life insurance companies out there, but most of the ones I write for have a 4% guaranteed interest rate, and that's just playing it safe, okay, if you put it in the safe guaranteed interest account. I don't know anywhere else where you can put your money, grow it on a compound interest basis, and also get the guarantee that you'll never lose a penny of your money. So a stockbroker will tell you, hey, we can get you 8% on average, but what they're talking about is going in the ups and downs, right? We know the stock market is not any type of mystery. The stock market is a roller coaster ride. You know, you're able to buy low and you cash out when it's high. The thing is, is you got to have a crystal ball to know exactly when to do that, okay? And you also have taxes on your gains. In life insurance, structured the right way, you avoid all of that. You, you get to grow your money, and through the provision of a loan, we don't pay taxes on our loans. Think about that. We don't pay taxes on our loans. If I go take out a loan on my car, I'm not paying taxes on the money I borrow. 
So a lot of people get tripped up when they hear, oh, I could borrow against my, my life insurance policy. That's a mechanism to give you access to your money without having to pay taxes on it. Because in that account that you've established with that life insurance company, the loan isn't credit-based. Okay, so no one tells you your credit score has to be this is your money, but you borrow from the money so that you can get access to the money that was grown on a tax free basis. Now, when we say loan, we think of loans from the perspective of a car note, a mortgage note, because it comes with an obligation to already repay it. There's no obligation to repay the loan in a life insurance contract. So even though we call it a loan, it's not your traditional loan from a lender because you are the lender. You could borrow from yourself and you could decide to pay it back or not. So, And basically it's a contract. That contract, I mean, if you don't pay it back, somebody else is going to pay it back. I mean, from what, from what I was understanding what you were saying because that, that contract know, so has value. Well, let me, let me make this clear. So you got the contract, right? That's the life insurance policy, right. which means that upon right. your debt, this is going to happen. But again, with that, if it's an equitable policy, it comes with a side account. Think of your side account like a, a, a checking account, a savings account, whatever kind of account you want. It's just an account whereby you can grow your money, right? So I want you to start thinking of that side account. It comes with a side account, right? That's why it's equitable. Okay. That's where the equity lies. Most whole life companies, uh, pay dividends into that. So if that company has performed well, you know, they have it, you know, the actuaries have, they've, they've written policies, not a lot of death claims. They have a surplus. They're going to pay out dividends on how well the life insurance company did. That money goes right into your side account. So the side account and the life contract are, are two separate things, but they're combined together. That's what you get. The side account is where you're able to control your own money. You have your ta- your tax liability is protected as long as you keep the life contract in force. A quick question. Okay. <clears throat> so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So is it is it is it almost like non recourse lending? So if you borrow oh, against that side account. Yeah, that's what, okay. That's what I want to know. Absolutely non recourse. I'm glad you said that. So there are about 11 different benefits that come with establishing your own bank, right? Now, let me so so banking, we go to a commercial bank, right? We put money, we establish a savings account, checking account. We put money in there. They flip it 7 to 11 ways, but they give us a mm-hmm. 0.01% Correct. Okay? And Correct. then you got to pay taxes on the little bit that you've grown. Here in this side account, the reason why there's no taxes is because of that life contract, right? So if you look at the 567 tax codes, there's only one that gives you tax protection, probate protection, estate planning, name all of that, and it's a life insurance contract, okay? And that's why I'm saying that life insurance is called life insurance and not death insurance because it was created so that we can pass on our wealth with and, and to avoid estate taxes, we can avoid probate court, people fussing about, you know, who gets what, the wife, the ex-wife, the children, the stepchildren. You avoid all of that through a life insurance policy, okay? But the po- you, you can't put the money in, grow it, and then cancel the life contract because then if you cancel the life contract, you just took away all your tax, your tax uh, provisions, okay? okay? So why I'm saying the life contract has to remain in force 
We're getting that so that we get the tax benefits. That's what we want, those tax um, benefits. So you have, um, uh, what do they call it when you put in a 401k? Your 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 taxes are delayed, postponed, okay? So you, you can postpone taxes, right? You could prepay your taxes now. Or, as you mentioned, Joseph, you could set, set yourself up and planning it right where you don't owe any tax liability. Okay, that's called tax preference. How you set it up and build your wealth matters because a lot of people are putting money in a 401k. You're postponing your taxes. Yeah, the money's going to grow better because there's no taxes. However, you're going to have a bigger tax bill at the end. Right, I have a question. I have, I, have a, I have a question for you. How does this, how does this platform work in conjunction with trust? So your trust should own the, con- the, the the life contract. Ownership of the the contract itself, okay, is where is the person that owns all the benefits within the policy. Okay, so I I could have uh, I, I'm in the middle of finalizing a divorce, right? I have a policy um, on my husband, right? I own it because he didn't believe in paying the premium, right? So you could own the policy. Matter of fact, this is, I'm glad you brought that up. When you work a job, I want people to stop saying I have life insurance when I got a job. You don't own that policy. Your job the owns does. the contract on you, okay? And, and so when you die, you believe that free amount of insurance that your job is going to give to your family is what that policy no. is worth. No, you, that's the benefit part that they're giving you. They own way more on your life as, a, as an employer than the amount that they're willing to give you for free. Okay, that's why you never get a policy in the mail because the policy ownership belongs with the job, not you. Okay, real quick, real quick. I got some people with their hands up. I think some people want to ask you a question. Um, uh, Let me let me let me open up the phone lines. The call in number, if you're listening on the Internet, is four, two, four, two, 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 fifty, two, fifty. Uh, you're listening to the hottest radio network on the planet, High Frequency Radio. I'm Yusuf L. It is January 1st. Happy New Year's to everyone. Let me open up the phone lines. Area code 843-4853. What is this, South Carolina? You're on the line. Yeah. What's on your mind? Man. Greetings, God. Greetings, God. Greetings. Greetings and persistence. Uh, man, Yusuf, your antenna is kind of soft right now, man, because I was saying to you, Yo, brother, yell out the word trust, because, man, this is one of the foundational things that you've been speaking on for years, and that's exactly what these sisters are talking about. Yes, they are. Yeah, I mean, I mean yes, they are in certain ways. You know, a lot of insurance deals with trust and things like that, but yeah, I'm going to get to my part. I'm, I'm going to get to my part. I'm letting, I know. I you know, know, brother. I'm going to <laughs> get to my part. But did you have a question for the sisters? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's so. Speaking to that, greetings, uh, sisters. Um, that has the same thing to do with a bank account. Happy New Year to both of you. How you Happy doing, New Lady Year. Catherine? Yeah. Um, when you get a bank account, are you are, they, are you they familiar you with this? What they, you familiar no, no, with what they're talking it's, about? It's, it's, it's just that, you know, when you've been around things for a while and you've been hearing conversations, regardless if you apply them or not, you know, what you hear and see is never erased, okay? So that's why, that's why I'm asking the questions that I'm asking. You know, I see how these pieces of the puzzle go together. 
Okay, so that's right. my question. Even when you get a mm-hmm. bank account, they give you an insurance policy, basically, or who you want your beneficiary to be. But just like what you're saying, Damn. they create. You said it, my brother. You said it. So as I mentioned before, anything that can – so think about it. A bank has its worth in the people that deposit with them, right? So when I right. first started out as a teller, we didn't make good money from being an hourly employee. You got your money based off of how many checking and savings accounts, how many credit cards, how many loan applications you took. So that's why I became a beast because it's like if you're going to come and cash this check, we open up a checking account for you today. Right? So I don't make nothing hourly, but you're going to pay me $20 for cash. You're going to pay me $7 an hour to cash check, or you're going to pay me $20 for checking account I open. I'm opening these checking accounts, okay? You don't, you don't have a choice. Okay, you open up a checking account today, and we're gonna get this mug on direct deposit. And as I begin to understand, you're absolutely right. What because the bank has an insurable loss if something if we close that account, they just lost a part of their company. If I move all of my money from that bank and put it somewhere else, they just experience the loss. So as soon as you open up any type of account with a a, a good company as an employer, because they know this, or a bank, the first thing they do is take out a life insurance policy on you because they are going to experience a loss if they don't have you. So you're absolutely right that the number one person in the bank is the guy that controls, they call him the life insurance comptroller. That person has to seek out which of these life insurance companies out here is paying the best interest per head for each depositor. That's what his job is. So you're absolutely right. You get a life they take out a life insurance contract on you as soon as you open up that account. Awesome. Awesome. And, See, I, and I, it's all put in trust, obviously. You, you know, know, that's my area yep. of expertise. I know I know that's what you're saying. They put it in trust. <laughs> yeah, that's what definitely. I, definitely. My next question is um So, just like you're saying, you have a life insurance policy, right? Uh, the beneficiaries of that life insurance policy, they don't have to cash that out. They can just control it, right? And that way, just like you're saying, that tax liability is uh, prolonged or extended also, right? That's correct. So um, one of the families, the Vanderbilt family, is masterful, masterful at this. He started this in the 1800s, right? Insurance came on the scene at the beginning of the 1800s, and he started this concept of being a, his own personal banker within the family. So trust is important because the trust is going to dictate how this money is going to go. And the trust in the Vanderbilt family said that, listen, you all got to come together. You all got to – you could take loans out against the, uh, against this, this family life bank policy. You're going to invest it. But once a year, you guys got to come back and say what you learned. Nobody gets to cash it out. So he has a trust that has specific rules to the family, and that's why the Vanderbilt family, nobody knows exactly what their bank worth, their personal life bank is worth. It's estimated to be at least $1 trillion to $100 trillion because they've had it for so long. But check this out. You don't report on your taxes what the life insurance value of your policies are worth. So the IRS doesn't have any idea what's going on inside your bank account with your life policy. You don't have to pay if it's still being honored against those IRS codes and nobody's violating that. And the only way to violate it is to allow the life contract to get to do what? To expire by not paying the premiums. 
and premiums are minimal because you're going to pay premiums no matter what. If you have a checking account, they got fees. Everybody has fees. So, but the life insurance contract is minimal, which is why we, we should start these when our children are first born because life insurance is never going to get as less expensive as before you turn one years old. That's, that's as at least expensive as, as ever going to get. So that's why white people are, are, as soon as their kids are born, sometimes in a hospital. The baby has oh, yeah. to be sometimes at least 12 or 14 days old. But they're establishing those life contracts on their children because it's equitable and it will never get as least expensive as it is at that moment. Wow. Hey, look, I got somebody else. Thank you, my brother. That was it for your questions, right? We. Oui. Yeah, you better yeah. take me off, bro, because every time they share some information, man, ooh, it's another I'm going to bring you back Listen, in. Man. I'll tell you what. I'm, I'll tell you what. I'm going to bring so, you back in. I got to I gotta bring somebody in real quick, but I'll bring you back in. Okay. I got you marked and everything. Yeah. I, I hit Peace you back. Let me bring yep. Peace, God. Let me bring in somebody else who's an expert on this. I want I, I just kind of want to hear y'all chop it up a little bit. Uh, this is Sot L. He's another host on High Frequency Radio. Uh, he has the show, The Foundation, and uh, I'm sure you want to, you know, chime in on this conversation. Peace to the gods. What's up, bro? Peace, big brother Yusuf, man. How you doing, man? What's going on, man? I'm, I'm all right, man. I'm all right, man. Hey, Trying to start the new year off right, you know, and, you know, share some information with the people, you know. Uh, What's going I on? I see that. Uh, peace to the sisters, you know, the queens on, on the line. Peace, sisters. Um, peace to you, my dropping- king. Peace. Dropping knowledge, dropping knowledge, yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm so L. I'm the host of the foundation here on High Frequency Radio Network. You know, I want to say peace to everybody. But um, this, this is dropping knowledge. I just, I just wanted to add, um, the the uh, the sister asked about trust. Yes. And then you said that the, the owner of the policy is the trust. Yes. I just wanted to step on some toes because I like – you know, pancake and toes, and not y'all toes, it's other people out here. When it comes to the owner of the policy, it's a, it's a trust. Nine times out of ten, it's a family trust. But Correct. the beneficiary is the trust as well. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Oh, yeah. Oh, this yeah. is a reunification principle with the family. My heirs ain't going to get their little piece of the pie and then run off wherever they want to go in the world and do their dance. No, the beneficiary of the life insurance policies is the family trust itself as well. So that way they have to succeed my um, trusteeship and be successor trustees and work together as a board, which reunifies the family to get access Perfect. to that money. Exactly. Perfect. And that's Absolutely. what we do. I want to say that. And then Perfect. number two, y'all, number two, because she's spitting real game. And she's putting y'all on game, and she's saying it in a way that's different than the way I say it. So I, I love this. Um, number two, the family trust offers loans at nice interest, like she was saying, your own bank. But no, repayments on loans is non-taxable. Correct. It's an expense. Interest is deductible on loans. It's an expense. Do not make loans to individuals. Do not make loans to beneficiaries. Do not make loans to the trustees. Do not make make the loans to your business trust. 
Come on, and brother. Your family you trust. <laughs> your family trust will receive um, the repayments on the loan, and then the family trust repays the loan. So you might have possibly, I don't know, two entities expensing the same loan and the same interest. Now, if you put the 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 life insurance policy in a foundation, a project family foundation that is tax exempt, 501c3. Tax exempt, exactly. The donations okay. is donations from the family trust to the foundation or charitable deductions. The loans go to the business trust. Repayments come from the business trust. These are also deductions as well. And this is all legal. You know, I don't know. Y'all need to check with, you know, you know, professionals and stuff. I don't get legal advice. I just tell it how I see it. You know what I'm saying? But what this is, what what was going on right now? I hope y'all listen. I hope y'all whining. I hope y'all playing this. What she's saying about this life insurance will change your life, and it will change the quality of life that you're able to provide for your family. Hands down. You just gotta begin. Um, believe. Yeah, you know you were the first become. one. To, yeah, you know you were the first one to put me on to the uh, to the life insurance, and you know, you know, everybody got their lane. So you know, I'm so engrossed in what I'm doing. I'm I'm listening, but everybody, you know, it's like I'm supposed to be doing this because I keep meeting people talking to me about it, you know. And I said, mm-hmm. so I met these sisters. I was like, man, God, no, these sisters, these are two tough sisters right here, you know. And um, and they just, I say, they they need an outlet for their for their knowledge. And I know you was kicking, and I said, yeah, I said, my, you know, my man, he 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 kicks this information too on his show. So, but I, I feel like uh, putting some feminine energy. You know, uh, high frequency radio you. hasn't had any feminine energy in a long time, and we need I some feminine you. energy, uh, you know. Uh, to reboost, uh, you know, the show and so forth. So I thought I'd bring these sisters on. And our sister, she's pretty tight to the information. Let me digress for a little bit over into her area of expertise. And let's talk about, you know, finance and loans and, you know, what you do. You know, I've seen you at work. You know, you get, you know, you obtain financing for people, for projects and things of this nature. And let me let you speak on that a little bit. Let's get to some money and everything, another aspect of money. So let's talk about it. So, um, well, I worked for American Express. I don't know if a lot of y'all know this, but MX is the oldest financier in the world here in uh, the country. So when I got to work for them, uh, most people won't think that credit – see, I've been doing credit since 2000 before – Everybody started talking about it, you know, aunties and grandmas now doing credit these days. But the real tea about credit is leverage. Like she was talking about with equity, you also need leverage. Um, if you get, and when I talked with uh, Yusuf, he also, you know, kind of like me to um, a lot of stuff, don't own anything. So, yes, you need personal credit. I don't care who's good out there. I'm telling you, if you don't build your personal credit, you will not get real business credit. You, you know, those those little trade lines from you leaning all that, that's not real credit because Amex, Discover, um, Chase, they don't care about you lean. They care about real credit with those type of banks. So you have to start with your personal first. So when I worked with Amex, I had not thought about credit. You know, back then, no one really kind of taught on credit. No one really knew it. So it was a mind opener for me. We were also only to use this information to help clients. So if you, if you didn't have good credit already established, 
you couldn't partake of this knowledge, right? I didn't like that because I was also coming in not knowing it, right? I got built up my credit. They taught me how to do it using my husband, who was 13 years uh, older than me. He already had established credit, right? So they taught me how to use him to piggyback to establish myself, then I got my own. So between my my ex-husband and myself, we had almost $400,000 of available credit. That At first, I didn't know how to use that to do anything, right? So using that, my sister and I were able to buy franchises and things like that with credit, not real money, credit, right? So you, if you have leverage with credit, you can do other things. When I come across business owners and they're trying to get loans, I'm like, no, let me look at your credit because you want to build business credit so that if anything happens, if that business doesn't um, – you know, succeed, you haven't lost your capital, you've lost business credit, you can always restart that, right, by filing bankruptcy or anything like that. So when I learned all this stuff, I didn't know really what, how it was going to impact the future until about maybe three or four years after I learned how to do it. We could only work with clients who had established credit. Lots of them were white. I had some black clients who also had it. They didn't know how to use it, though. These were people who just had basic principles, pay your bills on time, right? You know, you had grandmas and all that who had credit. They never used it, and that was the problem. They didn't know how to maximize it. They just had it. And then think about it this way. What's on your credit report shows you, and the way I break it down when I see things is think about it if you go to school. Can you go to school, get all straight A's, and not um, and not graduate? Most people are like, no, if you're a straight A student, you'll graduate. And I'm like, uh, no, you can't. There's requirements in order to graduate. You need four years of English. You need three math. You need three, you know, there's several different things you need to graduate. So if you got an A in workshop, you took three years of workshop, you took two years of Spanish. You took, you know, you didn't take the requirements. You can have straight A's. However, you won't graduate. And that's how credit is. If you don't have the proper things on your profile, you won't get to the big stuff. You lean doesn't help you as a business. It doesn't. So how do you get access to the real stuff as a business? It has to come through your personal. So the, let's talk about personal guarantor because people think of that, meaning that you don't sign your name. You always sign your name, period. It's a contract. You sign your name. What you can do, though, when it's non-guaranteed, that means it won't show up on your personal credit. It means if something happens, you're not liable for it personally. They will still check your your uh social though so when people when you see people saying hey build business credit without a personal you still have to use your personal the difference is one of them is not personally guaranteed and the other is you're still going to use your social you're still going to have to sign for it personally right one just means it's not showing up on your personal credit the other one means that it's showing up on your business profile only make sense y'all with me made perfect sense i'm flowing with you i'm flowing with you let me add this let me add let me add this as well, see, because any lender, so we put ourselves in the perspective of the lender, right? That part. We wouldn't want to lend to anybody if we look at their profile. See, credit just tells how you handle your finances. Exactly. That's all the report says. I was, when, when, when I was talking to Yusuf, I was saying, listen, when you have a credit profile uh, properly established, they never need to see a paycheck stub or anything because right on a credit report, they can tell how you're flowing your cash. So, for instance, Yusef, some of the things he's doing is is using his credit card for everything but then paying it off as soon as it posts to the account. Guess what? Your credit report shows that. It shows exactly how much you charged that month and how much you left unpaid. If you charge 10000 
and before your post date, you paid it all off, they already know you got a cash flow of at least 10000 because you paid it all off. So they don't need to see. When you set that report up the right way, it's telling them everything about your cash flow. And if we were the lenders and we knew how to properly read a credit report, see, the credit, the credit bureaus got us all on these credit scores. That's a product of them. They are not the government. They are not the lender. They are the third person that passes information to the lender, and then they also pay want us to pay them for a score. Why do you get your credit report every year for free, but people don't get what's, what, what, what they get for free because they don't know how to read the credit report? They want to get something that tells them a score that tells you absolutely nothing. See, so we're drawn to the easy stuff. You need to know how to read your credit report and how to set up your credit report the right way. And when you do that, any lender can pull that report and instantly, that's why you can get an instant approval because they already know within the report everything that they need to know about your cash flow and your responsibility when it comes to paying your obligation. Okay, y'all, this this is what I'm going to do right now. I want to tell you how I set up my my credit profile. I want you to tell me, I want y'all to tell me what y'all think about it and so forth, okay? From the beginning, I'm going to tell you from the beginning what I did in the last three years. I did this in three years, all right? And all the listeners, y'all can listen and take notes. This might be able to help some of you. I took a CPN number. I made it up myself. Made it up. I didn't purchase it or anything like that. Made it up myself. I know how to uh, how to do that uh, thing, and I, uh, I I I basically um um what they call uh try merge the account, which is basically just applying for credit and so forth, and established me a credit profile. It was a blank credit credit profile. I went up to Bank of America, got a bank account, and uh then applied for credit was denied. And then I got a prepaid credit card with Bank of America for $500. All right. I took that that $500 credit card, and for six months, I just uh, I bought groceries with it. I never, I didn't use my debit card. I kind of threw my debit card away, and I used it as a debit card. I would just transfer money from my uh, personal account to my credit card. Every time I would use it, I would just use it up and just shift money over to the credit card. And I did that for six months. After six months, they they gave me my $500 back, converted it to a regular credit card, and uh, gave me about – then I asked for, like, an um, a increase in, uh, like, a credit line. I think I asked for, like, $2,000, and they gave it to me. I had $2,500. Did the same thing for another six months and uh, just kept paying, kept paying, just spending, spending, paying. And it is called credit utilization. Okay, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, how much are you using, utilizing your credit card? So I'm not looking at it as a credit card. I'm looking at it as a debit card this entire time. So I'm spending my credit, I'm, I'm, I'm making purchases with my credit card, but I'm paying it off like within three days, four days. Uh, you know, very seldom would it you go past a week, but I would just pay it off, pay it off. All right, so after a year of doing this, um, I went to Best Buy, and I uh, applied for another credit card, and I was able to get a credit card from Best Buy. Now, Best Buy has two different types of credit card. They have, uh, they have a credit card where you can use in the store, and then they have a credit card where you can use anywhere. I said, what, what is the credit card you can use anywhere? I said, and I said, well, give me the one you can use anywhere. I don't even know why anybody would pick the one you can only use in the store. So I said, give me that one. 
So they gave me that. They gave me about um, $3,000 limit on it. Okay, then I started using that credit card. Okay, and then after that, I applied for a Capital One credit card. Um, I was able to obtain that. Um, and I would only do this every six months. Every six months, I would apply for a new credit card. And every six months, I would also ask for an increase in my credit limit. So after about a year and a half, I had about, um, with Bank of America, I went from asking for $2,500 to start asking for a $5,000 increase. So now I'm up to a close. I think I've got about $8,500 credit limit on my Bank of America. I got on my uh, uh, my uh, Best Buy like 4000 and on my Capital One like 1500 or something like that. And I'm just, and what I will do, I'll take one credit card, work it for a couple of weeks, and then pay that off, switch to another credit card, work that for a couple of weeks. But I would only use one credit card at a time. Okay, finally, um, I applied for American Express. You don't apply for American Express off the bat. You know, just in my opinion, I got the American Express everyday card. It was the everyday card. All right. And I got that. I think they gave me something like um, something like $2,000 limit on it and so forth. Worked that for about six months, asked for a $5,000 limit. Uh, then I kept kept every six months asking for a $5,000 limit. Now I got 20000 on one, 20000 on another, and 20000 on my credit card. Um, push came to shove. Later I asked for American Express. Um, before I got the 20000 on my American Express, I, um, they just sent me a load and said, look, we're not going to give you the 20000 We're going to pre-approve you for a Platinum American Express card. And they gave me the Platinum American Express card. So then after that, I went and got the uh um I went and got a uh what's that credit card Discover I went and got a Discover credit card after that and uh, they approved me for uh twelve thousand dollars and I just kept with this same formula of just working each individual credit card and I did all of this starting with five hundred dollars five hundred dollars prepaid credit card with just a prepaid credit card on a CPN. I don't know what people say about CPNs. I've been using CPNs since 1992. All right, since 19. I read a book called The Paper Trip. Uh, put out by um, uh, I don't think Lumponics or uh, is around anymore. But I put that out in, in 1992. I've been doing it since 1992. All right, it is perfectly legal. So don't let them people try to tell you it's illegal. That's bullshit. Okay, I'm gonna tell you it's bullshit right off. I, how do I know it's bullshit? Because I caught a federal case and they brought it up in federal court on me and, and gave it to the judge. And the judge laughed at it and threw it out. And you can go to the federal mortgage fraud website and the feds will tell you straight up that it's legal. That you shouldn't even have to pay for them. So let's kill all of that. Uh, you're not speaking to somebody that doesn't know the law. I know the, the law and I have experience. I just don't know. I, I got experience too. So I worked all of that. I worked my credit. Then I started working on my business credit. And it's just like Shawnee said. You know, I was using my social security number. I got me uh, American Express business, Bank of America business, Chase business, credit cards. I'm getting credit cards. So now I'm at the point where I try to apply for two credit cards every six months. I apply for credit cards because I'm trying to increase my debt-to-income ratio uh, I got an Equifax account, and I also got an account at MyFICO.com. You know, you hit me to that, uh, Shoney, and everything, and it is real good. It is good. 
it's pretty good. I still like my Equifax account too. My Equifax account educates me and keeps me abreast of any fluctuation in my credit score. I monitor my credit score every day and I understand the importance of having great credit and um, I'm not using the credit to really buy things per se. You know, it's just like any of you out there, if you're using your debit card to acquire things with, you know, you're wasting, uh, you're, you, you're wasting your time. You should be using Absolutely. a credit card to do that. You should, you should even be, you should cut up your debit card and don't even use, only time you use your debit card, maybe you, you need to go get some it. cash at the ATM. If you need to get right, some cash exactly. at the ATM. And you can even do that with your credit card, tell you the truth. Okay. You get some cash off of that. So, the, the the debit card to me is obsolete. It rarely comes out of my wallet. Um, I use my credit cards for everything. I don't use them as credit cards. I use them all as debit cards. And because of that fact, my um, my my credit limits increase, and also you know my credit scores increase. But I don't know. You can tell me Absolutely. if I could have did that an easier way. But uh, that well, works for me. So you're you're already doing great things. This, I want to break down two different things. So when you use a secured card, um, trade lines are better. Now, trade lines are not the gold standard in helping you build business credit unless it's like interfamily. You've got to have that same address. Like if you add somebody's uh, trade line on your credit and they live in Canada, or let's say they live in New York and you live in Miami, the bureau knows like you don't even have the same last name. You see what I'm saying? So it's only going to go so far. It was piggybacking was meant for family, helping your kids establish credit, you know. Um, so people right. just, you know, we take everything and we just kind of, you know, try and take shortcuts and all that. So, yes, it will help you build your score, but if you don't have any established credit on your own, you're still going to have trouble if this is not like a person who lives at the same address, if uh, this is not like your grandma, grandpa, something like that. It's going to give you a score. Again, she said the score is relevant. It's about what's on the profile. The profile is what makes sense, not the score that they give you, because as you know, when you look at my FICO, how many different versions of your score is it? like eight, eight different versions of your score. How do you know which bank uses which version? FICO 8, FICO 9, right? FICO 10 is coming out. How do you know which bank is using what, what version? So the score is irrelevant, right? It's what's on the profile that matters. So if you're using a CPN, you're going to have to establish it in a few different ways. Go into Bank of America, which is good. You know, you've you got a banking relationship. Yeah. So if they see money in your account, you don't even need a prepaid car or is it, what's it called, prepaid? Yeah. Yeah, prepaid, where it's secured. You don't need that. If they see money in your account, you can say, can I get a loan? They already see your cash flow. You can build it right through getting a loan. It ain't got to be a lot. It could be 1000 3000 Let me tell you something. Let me, let me tell you something. Bank of America, first of all, let me speak on the authorized users, okay, and putting trade lines on there. Okay, I've been knowing about that, you know, primaries and authorized users. I spent over $7,500 uh, trying to get authorized users and primary accounts and got screwed over. Okay. And I'm not saying that everybody screws you over. I'm, I'm, there are legitimate ways out there to obtain that. But when I first got into this, I was losing so much money and I've been knowing how to establish credit. I said, forget that. I'll take the slow route. You know, I took the slow route and I'm going to tell you what the advantages are to me in taking the slow route. 
um, instead of trying to, you know, boost my credit score real fast to run out and buy a car and, you know, and kind of do the nigga shit that a lot of people out there, I'm going to call it what it is because some of y'all out there messing up the game because you out there, you think I'm going to buy this car and then I'm not going to pay this loan back and everything like that. And that's called nigga shit. All right. That's exactly what that is because you fucking up shit for everybody else. Excuse my language. Yeah, so you got it. So the thing is, is like, so I said, okay, I'm going to take the slow route. So the slow route, it kind of, and I got an Equifax account off the off the rip with Equifax. I went back and forth with them, but they established me an account. I got the account, and I'm in the back office of this, and it's telling me all these things you've seen the gurus on YouTube videos talk about and all of this. You know, I'm on there. And I'm like, I'm like, wow, you know, and I'm just kind of learning. I'm watching um, what's happening every day. Like with credit utilization, I'm watching how often every week my credit score fluctuates based off the debt to income ratio, the mm-hmm. utilization of my credit cards. Even got, I was even late one time. I was late on a payment one time, $10, two days late, two days late, $10. And my score dropped 60 points. And that's when I put everything on automatic payment. You know, I put everything on automatic payment. It took me about three months to build my score back up. So, and going through that slow process, I developed a habit, you know, I developed, cause see people don't have these habits. Like my girl, you know, she ain't got the habit of using her credit card, like a debit card. You know, she think it's just free fucking money and everything. So no, I'm not going to help her get, you know, a $20,000 credit limit on her credit card till she demonstrates the proper, you know, the proper uh, habitual habits and everything and utilize understanding the response. I had to be responsible with these cards. Because a lot of people are not responsible for these cards. But me going that slow route, it established in me the habit of looking at my credit cards as debit cards and not as credit cards. And I think that was so important. And, you know, and then and just because yeah. I know you can use the authorized users. You know, yeah. I hit up with the authorized users and all of that. And it boosted up her score right. and all that. Let her ride off my credit and everything. But I didn't do that. I didn't do any of that. I started with right. one five hundred dollar you know, prepaid credit cards. I know some people don't like them, but, you know, I think that when you don't have no other, and then Bank of America, I had cash flows. I've been with Bank of America like five years, had cash flows, and they said, hell no, nigga, you know, there's something up with this damn credit, this number you're giving us and shit. So we're going to take it slow with your ass anyway. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it was. It was, it was. You know what I'm saying, but go ahead. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with how you built it, it's just not how it was meant to be built. You feel what I'm saying? You still got there. It took you a little bit longer. It was like a side route. Let me figure this shit out a different way, right? So you got it. Right, what right, I'm saying right. Because it was a CPN, they was like, we can't find this number nowhere in the registry and all this other kind of stuff. They, you know, they gave you a little bit of hassle to build. So let me, let me just say this. How did prepaid cards or, you know, whatever you call them, um, how did those cards originate? Because they weren't in the city. Listen, this is a bank paying on you. If you give somebody money, your own money and they tell you you got a criminal or what I gave you, it's not credit because credit is the utilization or the exactly. usage of other people's exactly. money. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. if right. you do it that way, not saying that you can't, I'm saying if you do it that way, even your profile is going to look a little bit different. They are coded different. Some 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 bureaus are going to say it's prepaid or not prepaid, well, secured. Some are going to say secured, some may not. They still know if it's secured or not because it's coded differently. You know what I'm saying? So it means that you had to go. You didn't have good credit, so you had to go a different route. Nothing wrong with that because you can still rebuild. 
However, if you want to build it the right way, you always have good credit as a parent. You add your child on 15, 16, give them their own card, show them what to do, and then when they get 18, they can do it on their own, you know. Come on, Capital One, Discover, all of them have uh, student cards, right? Even if your student is going to college and they have nothing, they can still get a credit card because they have nothing bad on it, right? Come on, parents, stop using your child's credit, you know, getting them, you know, getting them uh, collections on your child's credit. Stop doing that because when they get to college, you know, they can get a credit card with no established credit because they're a student. They can. That's, that's starting them out right there. And I'm going to say this because <laughs> I didn't know. Remember, I told you I didn't know until I got to MX. So when I got to FAMU, I had five cards I had Discover. I had, I had two MX. I had, like, Sorg. I had everything. And back then, they used, on the application, they used to say, what's your mother's maiden name? My mother's maiden name is McGahee. That's like an Irish white surname, right? <laughs> so I got big credit cards based on that, McGahee. That was a big name. They had credit back then. So just through the lineage, the name gave me credit. When I was 17, the difference was I was 17 when I went to school. So when I maxed it out, they couldn't come after me. Why? Because I was 17. 17. Right. You're too young to be in a contract. (laughs) I can't be in a contract. So that was just a blessing. I had no clue. I'm buying, you know, Nintendo 64. We playing games, right? I I didn't didn't know about going shopping, doing all that. I didn't do that. I just bought, like, little silly stuff. I had all this credit and only bought a few things. I still didn't have money to pay the down, you know, the minimum payment. So when it charged off, I got a letter saying, hey, you were 17. They had to write it off. Literally had to write it off. So I started with a clean slate again, I didn't know how to maximize it until I went to Amex and they taught me how to do it. Let me add something. I just want to add something in here as well, coming from the banking side, all right, because I'm all about us learning how to be the lender and not the borrower, right? So, again, credit is definitely important because think about it. If you're the lender and you're investing, you want to give your money and flip. I mean, anybody that lends money, you're a lender when, you, when you're when you planting money through a loan and somebody's paying you back what they borrow plus interest, okay? So I tell everybody this idea that lenders don't want to deal lend to you, that's how they make their money. That's, that's stupid as hell to think that don't nobody want to lend you money. They can't based off of what you're showing them in your profile. So let's go back to the way that you're building your credit. Again, that's a good way, and that's probably a really good way for someone that doesn't really understand it, isn't learning all these financial principles, right? So if your kid is 16, you've never taken them out to, to teach them how to drive a car. Just because they're 16 don't mean, boy, you're 16, here's my keys, go down to the store and get me some milk. He's going to crash your car. You got to teach them. What we've learned is it's now that we have social media, we have access to information. Having access to information and understanding information is two different things. When it came to credit, CPNs and all of that, the reason why there's so much, why you lost a lot of money is because people found out about piggybacking, but they didn't understand how it was supposed to work. So then they was like, hey, I got a, I got a trade line, buy this from me. But if that trade line was older, then when you could even establish credit, that trade line was going to do nothing on your report. So people were just buying trade lines. Oh, I want this 20-year-old trade line when really you, you only have a five-year history in credit. That doesn't make sense, and it's flag. It does nothing for your credit because they already know you're using the system that was in place to help us go forward, but you're using it in the wrong way. So having information but not having understanding comes back to your demise. A lot of people find out this information, but they don't understand on a big scale how it all works 
and that's why there's so much CPNs work, they don't work, uh, this and that. Well, that's because you don't understand what it's for. Trade lines, they work, they don't work. It worked for me, it didn't work for this. That's because you don't understand why, what it's for and how to do it the right way. So your way of doing it, like she said, is a good way of doing it, especially when you don't have the understanding and you were able to come to that understanding by experience. That's why we got to sign up for classes. That's why we got to educate ourselves because we want to be doing big boss things, but we ain't got no information. We ain't got no understanding. And if somebody can't break it down to you, they can tell you about a trade line. I say, tell me, when was a trade line established and why was it established? If they can't answer those questions for you, then they're just selling something they don't even know. And this is Shoni Mia, and I want to piggyback a little bit because this is good right here. I can't. Like, uh-oh, was somebody asking a question? Hello? Yeah, 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 we're here. Okay. <laughs> I thought I heard somebody asking a question. So um, I always go, I always break it down back to the whole school thing because we all went to school. We know what a report card is, right? We know. So to me, if you add those, uh, you know, you give somebody $500 and they tell you this is your limit, let's say you leave a balance on it. They're making money off your own money. You didn't even, because come on, 18.99%, 29.99%, you gave them $500 and you leave a balance, they're making 30% off your own money and you gave it to them. That's like, that's hustling backwards, right? So that's why I say you can't get the prepaid cards. You can't do it because you're giving somebody else license to charge you a fee on your own money. That's not what credit cards were intended for in the first place, right? So right. I hate those, but let's, let's go back to just looking at your report. Anything you put on your report, it tells you. If you go going out here, you got Macy's, JCPenney's, you got Sears, you got, you know, Victoria's Secret, you got all of that, you're a consumer. You're telling your them you're a consumer. So when you went to Best Buy, they gave you the option because one says, hey, I can use this not just at Best Buy, I can use it anywhere, and the other one says I'm going to shop at Best Buy. That consumer card would have hurt your credit, period. So people don't think about that. They think if I got, you know, a little $300 Victoria's Secret card and I use it, it's helping. It's not. It's saying that you are a consumer. All you want to do is shop. That's what it says. Yeah, you know, my homeboy, he uh he have like a million dollars in lines of credit. He got like five businesses, had all of them business credit. He's like a business credit genius. And uh, he put me on to a lot of game. The first thing he told me, I actually went into the bank with him and uh, watched as the uh, vice president and a group of them offered him $10 million for a construction project. I was sitting right there in the meeting. So it wasn't nothing I heard. It's something I saw. And uh, the thing was, is his credit report was so strong. And he told me, he said, look, man, he said, all you need on your credit report, you need a Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and a mortgage, and maybe a car. And that's it. Okay, he told me that. Okay, so I always remembered that. So I made it my goal. I said, okay, um, that's how I kind of did it. I said, you know, uh, I got the, uh, I think I got the MasterCard first, and then I'm going to get a Visa, and then I'm going to get an American Express. And American Express, they kind of like, they're real. They're like a little difficult to get. You know, you got to try to get the Visa and the yeah. Mastercard first. So you got to okay. get Discover. Yeah, yeah and Discover, and then you get the Mastercard. All right, but the, yeah. you know that Mastercard mm-hmm. Everyday Card though um, is a card that I would recommend people get if they want. If they don't have the Mastercard, I mean the American Express yet, uh, get that. That's a very good entry level credit card to American Express. 
the everyday so, card. I got that first, and it's it's real strong right. card, real strong card. It is a very it's good not, it's card. So, yeah, it's a very good card. So, um, but that's not an entry card with Amex. It's not. If you if you start that, and you don't have established credit. It's not. No, you will get denied. Remember how when you said you tried to apply for the person and they did? It's not right. entry level. So Amex is the gold standard. I don't care who told you. Amex is the gold standard. They have levels to their cards. If you see one that says annual fee four ninety five, get that shit. That means you primo, okay? That means you got high limits. You can I got go that. like that. People I, don't want to pay. I'm in my metal. You know, that. I'm I'm on my metal cards now. I'm in the metal now. I'm in. I made it yes, to the metal yes. level. So yes. <laughs> if you see one that says an annual fee, people don't want to pay an annual fee. That's what rich people do. That four ninety five a year ain't nothing. Not based on the benefits they're giving you, you for the car. The yes, you're getting lounges you're getting at the, the airport. Lounge. All of these things, four ninety five. You spend that on ne- unnecessary stuff anyway. You paying for four ninety five annually to Amex. That card is going to boost you more than anything else because it means it's a high limit card, very high limit card. That's the difference. Those those zero annual fees, all of that. Those you got to have some established credit with them. You've got to have some established credit. The first one you want to go to. Don't get the what is it first one? Don't get that. Those are D level cards. Anybody can get that. Don't get that. That means that you don't know credit if that's on your profile. If you had it, tell them to take it off. Dispute it and get it off your credit report. You want Capital One? Capital One is a bank. They're good. It's base level. Anybody can get a Capital One. Build from Capital One. You do good with Capital One. They'll raise your limit in the first six months. They will. They tell you. Make six payments on time. Don't just make six payments. Pay it off every single month. Use your bill. I don't care if you're just getting gas or whatever. Pay your bill off every six months and watch how much they uh, increase your limit. Because if you, they start you out with five and you're maxing out 500, but you're paying it out, they're saying to you, 500 is not enough. You need more credit because you're paying this off every And you can do that several times during the month. You do it several times in the month, they will definitely leave. I had one client to get an $8,000 Increase because she was using it all the time and paying it off, using it, paying it off, using it, paying it off. On all of my credit, hundred dollars. On all of my credits, right? On all of my credit cards. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say on all my credit cards right now, I I always ask across the board for seventy five hundred dollar increase, and I always get it every six months. I do it every six months. Go ahead. I was going to. Go ahead. I was going to add. Um, this is Tamara, and I'm. Um, I'm. I'm listening to all of the fantastic things that you guys are saying, and the different avenues and different things that you can do. But I always go back to leverage. What are you getting your credit for? What are you going to do? Because to me, credit is a tool for me to create wealth and money. When you talk yeah. about, I look at. I look at what white people do. They're, they are the ones that started the authorized users so their children would have sterling credit once they got out of college. I, am a, I believe that the reason credit is so good to get when you're in college is because they want to straddle you with debt. So once you get that degree, you are forced to take whatever job or position that you need because now you're straddled with debt. White people don't believe and are they don't believe in placing a burden on their children when their life is just beginning. It is no accident that credit was easy to get in college. That's to show yep. you with debt. It's to put the iron it's to put the iron on your neck before your life even begins. So what white people would do 
they put their children as authorized use <laughs> on their Amex, on on their homes. So you walk out of college with that leverage and that leg up that these other children now have debt and they're straddled with. Whereas you have an 850 score and you can go out in the world and you can do things. I believe, again, to me, it's about leverage. When you talk, if, if well, you're going to, if you're, just, just can let I let y'all with a piece of history? Can I hit y'all with a let piece me, of history here? Okay, so me, I said yeah, again, let me a lot finish. of us I, want to get I any did, credit. I didn't get a, okay. All right. Yeah, go ahead and finish your thought. Go ahead and finish your thought. Go ahead and finish your thought tomorrow. There was a reason that the Rockefellers and all these people designed the credit reporting system, and it's not to ultimately help you in generational wealth. It's it's not. There was a reason that you are there. There's a reason that they can put your number in and you can be judged, or you can say a a person's spending habits are these, or a person's spending habits are that. I'm saying. With the system that we are all involved in, if you're going to have, if you're, you're building your credit, the purpose is for what? Is the purpose to buy real estate, buy assets that you can have passive income from? Because, again, the, the, the whole purpose is to not be consumers. You are either can, producing something. I can answer that question. Getting, I can answer that question. I can answer that question. I can answer that question. I have a I have a very long time uh, long term plan. I just I got five years of tax returns done on my business, and I'm getting my I'm building my credit score up. Obviously, when you have tax returns, you have cash flows, and you have good credit. Now you have uh, uh, you have situated yourself where you can go in a bank Correct. and get some millions of dollars in financing Absolutely. on something. So it was Absolutely. me being patient. Okay. Okay, it was me being patient, and I understand the loan, uh, you know, real estate, trust, all of these things that I've learned. Okay, I took my time. I was patient. Okay, that's another thing that we don't do. We are very impatient people. We want yeah. things now. But I can honestly say that at this point in my life, I was very, very patient, okay, and just methodically built up my portfolio where it was strong enough now, when I go into a bank or something like that, I got everything that these people want. I've established the relationships. I paid a CPA to prepare all of my documentation. You know, I've done all of these things. I've gotten my credit. You know, I've demonstrated that I am disciplined in my credit. Now, I will say this. I can understand that the credit system is abusive, but I don't think and look in terms of anything as good and evil. Um, there's really no such thing. I think it's oppressive when you don't know how to use it. I think it's a very nice system and how I've been using it and so forth. But if you don't know how to use it, you know, it is going to be oppressive. You don't know what the intent yeah. of credit is for. A lot of people think yeah, credit so it is for leverage. That's what I that's what I Hold on. Much, that's what I pretty much was just trying to say is you're gonna use it as leverage to springboard you to where you're trying to go. If you okay, use that's it in what the it let women yeah, let's hear this history of the history. FICO. That's right. Let's, yeah, let's get, get okay. Ahead. So we know we know when the civil rights movement was starting, right? Fifties and sixties, okay. What was happening before that time? Okay. I always when I do a finance conference, I always tell people 
what did Mr. do? And I say, I'll give anybody $100 if you could tell me, Mr. in the color purple, where did Mr. put his money? For $100, tell me the two places where Mr. hid his money. He hid his money in the chicken coop, and he hid his money in the baseboard. Because back then, in that time, our people could not go to a bank and put their money in a bank, okay? So then we had, we because check this out, back then, we, we, I ain't going to go too far, you know, cops or whatever, but we did not have that freedom of using the original financial instrument for our game. So we were making money and we were doing things back then, but we didn't have a way to grow the money and plant the money. So what happened was is then the civil rights movement comes along, and then these white people say, and it wasn't just us, it was white women too, because it was only white men that had access to credit. We didn't have a credit system, but they had credit. Your, their word was their bond, okay? So what happened was is in 1956, an engineer by the name of Bill Fair and a mathematician by the name of Earl Isaac, that's where the name FICO comes from, the combining of their two names. They got together and started a company for $400, and they said, we're going to build an analytic system for these lenders, right? Because the lenders were like, it's our money. You can't tell us to lend to black people. You can't tell us to lend to the white woman. We don't believe that. But we're marching, the women taking off their bras and burning them, and everybody saying, we want to be free. Okay, so that movement was starting, and these white guys got together, and they said, okay, we're going to create a system. You guys want our money? We're going to create a system by which the law is telling we have to give you the money, but it's going to be based off of the system. That's why you got to know where it all started, okay? They started the FICO system. So I heard you say earlier that white people decided to give uh, at their kids as authorized users. The white people that have the credit card, you're still the borrower. They didn't decide that. The system decided that because one thing white men know is we got to keep the wealth in our family. So when they started the FICO system, Bill Fair, Earl Isaac, they went out to lenders and they said, listen, the law is going to make you guys start being fair to everybody. And those laws were passed in 1969, okay? But, uh, but the rumblings were already started. So they were ahead of the curve, and they said, okay, if we got to be fair to everybody. We got to give a checking account to everybody. We got to give them our lending. We're going to create a system. We're not going to tell them about the system, but then we'll call it fair because everybody's going to be based on the same system, okay? That's when the credit card, that's when the credit system was started. The first financial instrument that ran the credit system was the credit card. That's why I call it a credit card. You got a charge card. And you got a credit card. And that's why I said earlier, if you got something, you don't understand it, you're going to abuse it. That's a purpose of a thing when it's, un- when it's not understood. Inevitably, you're going to abuse it because you don't understand the, the purpose of it. The credit card is nothing more than a form of payment. So when Joseph said, hey, uh, I, I put away my debit card. Look, they look the same. One says credit and one says debit. We know by financial uh, terminology, credit is positive. Debit is what? Negative. That's why you don't want a debit card. Throw that crap away. Debit, the word debit means negative. The word credit means positive. Okay? So they started the FICO system. How are we going to control the analytics of this system? Through a credit card. Okay? So we need a way. We don't need to count how many cattle you have to base your credibility on. We need a system real quick where we can eliminate people and we can approve people. So that's why the system was created. In 1969, the uh, ECOA, 
They said you can't discriminate against people by, based off of their sex, their age, their nationality, their disability. So in 1969, everybody became financially free, but there was a system we didn't know about it. Understand? That's why you got to understand the system. We out here trying to get credit to go shopping. If you want to shop, work and save. Take that money out of your life insurance where it's not going to hurt anything. Okay, but we're using a credit card to do all kind of stuff. It's a form of payment, and if they know your cash flow, then they, they want to lend to you. That's how they make their money. They're not going to lend to you when everything about you says that you're a consumer and you're not a boss. That's why we got to understand how this stuff works. Now, why did they build in the system authorized users? I'm glad you asked, because they knew that their kids were going to need to have access to this new system that was built. So inherently, the credit card was the first thing to control the analytics of the FICO system, and authorized using was built in as a benefit so that, yes, they can help build the credibility of their children. We've taken that crap, and we've gone off the charts with the crap, like he said, some nigga stuff, okay? But that's not the original intent for it. Your own credibility, you shouldn't want to build another person's credit but your kids and your family. But we were out here selling it to strangers because we don't understand what it's for. And so that's why I said you got to understand how these things work because when you understand how they work before a white man could go in and get to a bank and get money off of his word, no longer can they do that because if you let him do it off his word, they would have to let everybody get credit off their word. So that's why that system by those two guys was there because the first bank to ever use it was Wells Fargo. That's why Wells Fargo, typically you can get some stuff with Wells Fargo. They were the first to use the system, and it started working, and then it grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. And there are levels, as she says, having a MyFICO account, it gives you so much more access to understanding that different banks like different scores, like different setups. So that's why your profile just has to be good. Listen, if you got straight A's, you took all the best math classes, all the hardest science classes, there's nothing someone can say to you. Nothing. There's no college that can say, well, you know what, your profile. It's up to us to build our own profile beyond reproach. They can't say anything to you because guess what? They also took the underwriting for credit out of the hands of man. There's a computer system real quick. You line that report up, bam, 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 approve, approve, approve. Why? Because they know that man is always going to be discriminatory. A computer ain't going to be discriminatory. That's why you guys got to learn this stuff and build it the right way. And then when, we, when I hear people talking about trade lines, CPNs, all that stuff has its proper place when you understand how to use it right. But we got to be honest with ourselves. We're right here doing some jacked up shit. We don't even understand what we're doing. Why do you even want credit? As she said, for leverage. Did you not know that how much you pay for your insurance is first based off of your credit? So y'all don't even know that. People telling you because you're 25, you overpaying for auto insurance. Lies you tell, 25, you're paying for insurance because you don't have a proper credit report bill, so we're going to charge you more than someone that has a great credit report. All insurance is based first off of your credit profile. Mic drop. <laughs> Hey, well, let me add, also throw this in there. You are discriminated off your zip code, too, the zip code. Because when you go in that back office, they got everything broken down in zip code in the city of who, like here in um, Atlanta, the um, um, 
not Vinings, but uh, the I'm trying to think of the name of this area. Um, they have the best credit scores in the city is in one area. Okay, it's downtown. This is yes, yeah. So they know where all of the defaults. They can measure the amount of defaults that happen within a certain area code. I mean, a zip code. So if your zip code, you the the address that you put on your applications is important too. It's yeah, very but important. you know what, what also drive that? The crime in that area, what? okay? So right. We, li- listen, we can make our zip code be what it is if we clean up our area, okay? And it, it still goes back to us, right? So it, you're absolutely right. The only companies in this world that can be as discriminatory as they want to is an insurance company. That's, that's law because insurance is not a right. It's a privilege. You don't have wow. to have any form of insurance. Wow. It's a privilege. Wow. Let me pull it. Let me pull in some callers. The call in number is 424-222-5250. You're listening to the hottest radio network on the planet. Uh we got call it's call in and ask the finance divas. We got some divas on today, some feminine energy going in the studio this morning. Uh let me bring in 609-1690. You're on the line. What's on your mind? You got a question for our guest. Yes, sir. How you doing, Mr. Yusuf? Doing all right today. How you doing? Okay. Um, I had a question about business credit. I have a lot of credit cards, but every time I use them, it brings my credit score down. Do I want to switch those to the business name and be the personal guarantor for those credit cards so when I use them, it doesn't bring my credit score down? Absolutely. So if, you, if you're using your credit card and you're using it to buy something you don't have money for, your utilization is going to go down because you're keeping a balance on that card. If you, keep your, if, you, if you keep it under 10%, you won't have as much a hit. It may be a couple of points. But anything over 10% is going to bring your score down. It, you can try it out. Bring it under 10%, you'll see your score doesn't drop up a few points. Go 15%, you see it's going to go up. The more you have on there, the lower your score is going to go. So if you have balance on all those cards, if you have good credit, and I don't know if you can do it if you have, you know, if the scores bring it down because you have utilization, um, you want to transfer it to a card. Not all business cards are the same. Amex, again, like I said, is the gold standard. None of their cards is going to report on your personal. Capital One Spark is going to report on your personal. Again, that's why I say Everything is levels. Capital One is the base level. They are good. They are better than your your um, first premieres and all those cards that charge you all this money um, and never give you an increase, right? So Capital One, you don't want to transfer anything to Capital One. You want to transfer it to Discover. Discover is the next level. After you have Discover, you want to get Chase. After you have Chase, you want to get Amex. So it, depending on what your score is there, I don't know if you're going to be able to qualify for a business card, but not all are the same. If you can get Discover, Definitely roll it over to Discover. It's not going to appear on your personal. Or another strategy would be to um, debt consolidation. So think about this. When you roll all, all of your credit card debt over to a personal line of credit, a, a line of credit is a hybrid between a credit card and a personal loan because you have an established uh, credit line, but as you spend it down, you can draw from it again. And mind you, you need all these types of trade lines reporting on your credit. So if you think of the credit card like the math class, 
and the real estate um, trade line like the science and so forth and so on. We said earlier that you're going to need diversity types of trade lines reporting to your credit because that's how the lender knows that you're savvy enough to handle any type of credit that's extended to you. So if you have credit cards, another strategy would be to, if if any of your uh, banks offer a line of credit, they want that business. Right now the credit card is getting all the business. You want to apply to them as a loan consolidation for a line of credit, they're going to pull, pay off the balances, all the credit cards, and now they own the debt and they're going to be collecting the payments. The reason why that is good is because that's not the primary line that's driving your credit score. The credit card is. A line of credit is an established agreement that over time they're giving you time to pay this off, right? That's why you can have a real estate transaction and it's high and it doesn't really bring down your credit that much because it's an agreement that they're giving you time. Credit cards don't give you time to pay off anything. Loans do. That's why if you can remember that your credit card is a form of payment and anything that you're going to need time to pay it off, get you a line of credit or a personal loan and pay that off. And then as you guys start going to the webinars, I'll show you how even getting credit so that you can do some other boss moves is in your interest because you'll be able to roll that debt into your own personal bank And then now, not only are you lending to yourself, you're earning interest off of every payment that you pay back to your bank. So now your money just became three-dimensional. You could borrow to make a boss move, get some equipment for your business, hire some employees, whatever you need to do. That's one way. Your money is growing, and you're building credit at the same time by paying yourself back. But that, I'll have to show you all that through a webinar. You got to make your money three-dimensional, and we already know from from, uh, Egypt that the triangle is the strongest geometrical object there is there's nothing stronger than a than a, than a triangle so that's why your money has to be three-dimensional so that's the strategy I, I tell you to get with someone that really understands these different lenders and how you can roll all that credit card debt into a personal line of credit because that's like a hybrid credit card the difference is is they know that it's going to take time to pay it back and most lines of credit will give you like 12 months interest-free to pay it off, and then they're going to start charging you interest. So that's a way to set it up where you can free up your credit cards. Once your credit card balances are down to zero, now you can use yourself as a personal guarantor for your business credit card. Oh, and let me uh, let me just piggyback off what he said. His question was, you know, that every time he uses his credit card, his credit score uh, drops. And from my experience, that is because you are exceeding your debt-to-income in- uh, level threshold. Um, a pass your reporting date, which would be 10%. Um, you know, some people say 15%. I use 10%, okay, on everything. And they, and they can use a composite of all your credit cards to also look at your debt-to-income ratio as well. Um, from what I can see, they go off the credit card and the composite. In other words, what I'm saying, if you got a credit card with a $15,000 limit, one with $10,000 limit, and another one with a $10,000 limit. That's $45,000 in credit that you have. And 10% of that would be what? $4,500. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're exceeding yes. that past your, your, your reporting date, your credit score is going to drop because your debt to income ratio uh, uh, is approximately 33% of your credit score. Okay. So that's why it's dropping. You know, mine doesn't drop unless I go past that 10% on that reporting date, and if it's past that, because I use mine, sometimes I burn up mine all the way to the limit, but pay it off before yes. the reporting date. Okay, and, and my it. credit score doesn't drop, 
But that credit utilization, because I did that credit utilization, when it's time for me to ask for an increase in my credit limit, you always ask for an increase in your credit limit so your debt-to-income ratio threshold will go up. That's why I always, I'm always asking for an increase, always asking for an increase. And I'm always trying to get new credit cards, too, because there, I think this false information has been put out that you shouldn't have so many credit cards. I try to get as many credit cards as I can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yousef, you know what I want to also tell? I, I, I'm, I'm huge on understanding why things are so. Why does a credit card company want you to swipe, okay? Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, none of them uh, sell groceries. None of them sell clothes. None of them sell movie tickets. But every time you use that credit card to pay your utility bill, shop for your groceries, they get a percentage of that sale, okay? So they get a percentage of the sale, why? Because they're making it efficient for the merchant, who is the person selling the product or service. They're saying, listen, if you guys collect cash, somebody can come and rob you, and now you have no cash, and cash is not insurable, okay? But if you start accepting credit card and debit card payments, we're going to charge a little percentage of that sale, but your insurance premiums are going to go down. Why? Because it's all insurable. Credit cards, that's why they say if your card is stolen, you ain't lost nothing. It's insurable for a loss. Cash is the only thing that can't be insured, okay? So that's why, why, why people who are savvy when it comes to these things, they understand from a banking and an insurance uh, standpoint, credit is what it's all about, okay? So the merchants are talked into getting and accepting credit card and debit card payments. Every time we swipe our card, Visa just made a profit. Every time you swipe your card, American Express just made a profit. So an ignorant person will say, well, credit card companies make their money off the interest. Lies you tell. They make their money every time you swipe that card. They're getting a small percentage of everything that you use that card for, which is why they want to increase your limit. Because it gives you more to use their card for. Why do they give you points and travel benefits and all these different things? They're saying use my card as opposed to the other man's card. So when you understand this, it all comes together and makes sense. They want to give you this stuff because it's profitable for them. They're not trying to hold you back from anything. They're trying to give you as much, but you got to show yourself what? That you understand how this stuff works and, two, that you're responsible enough with this responsibility. If you can show that on your credit report, you can get anything that you want. And yes, and answer to the caller's question, yes, get you some business credit cards. If you have a business and so forth, definitely. start. that's what I, I started doing. Um, I started, um, I was working heavily on my personal credit at first. And now I'm working heavy on my business credit. I think I've acquired enough credit cards and everything on the, per- even though I still get credit cards and do all of that, it's not my focus anymore. I mastered that side of the game. Now it's the business credit card. I'm accumulating business credit cards and so forth. And yes, that's what I would do. If I were you, I'd definitely start acquiring business credit cards. Definitely. Well, I just bought a couple of vehicles for the business and um, I had to cash for it. I had a cashier's check. I was on my way to pay for them. And then they extended me a line of credit with around 22%, 20% interest for like what? three three years, but they they put it in the business name and they made me the uh, personal guarantor. Was right. that a good move? I know, I can go and pay it off, but they they have like a before one year, it's like a three percent or something 
that they're going to penalize me for early payoff. So you said you had money on your credit cards and you have cash. Pay your card no, down a... to 10%. I'm sorry? Pay your cards down to 10%. That's going to increase your credit. Then you can go and pay that off with a business credit card at 0% for 18 months. They have those. They've got even up to 21 months. So business credit is more powerful than going to a bank and letting them charge you 20% or 22 or whatever. You know what I mean? You've got to do that. So if you have cash, you've already spent the money on the card. You owe it already. If you pay those down, your score is going to increase. That's the only way you're going to be able to move into business credit if you don't owe on your personal. If you owe people on your personal, they're not going to give it to you on your business. How you do in personal is how you're going to run your business. So if your personal is out of whack and you go and ask for business credit, yeah, they'll charge you 20% to give it to you, but you can pay the same thing and get 21%, 0% for 21 months on your business card. It's there. You just have to be credit worthy. Yeah, I got you. When I pay all my credit cards down, my score goes up to about 800, 820 or something yeah. like that. That's, that's when, when I should be. get business credit. Yeah, I just had it up to eight. <laughs> I should have been getting all business credit cards. Okay, I appreciate y'all. Thanks. <laughs> Yes, you're welcome. Yeah, you uh, definitely. Uh, I, I do the same thing, man. I, um, you know, I use my credit cards, and uh, you know, the score might drop uh, for my. I don't even be worried about when my score drops because I see how it fluctuates so much um, that if I know that I got a little limit on a credit card or something like that that I know I'm going to pay off, I don't worry about it because yeah, as soon as you pay it off, it's going to shoot right back up. You know, the next reporting day. So. The fluctuations don't um, matter much. And what I've been finding out is uh, the fluctuations don't matter much. If the, if you show some consistency in paying off your credit cards within a certain t- amount of time, they have an algorithm where they can determine that you're either living off your credit cards, you know, because some people yeah. live off their credit cards and things like yes, that. They, they got algorithms. And another thing I'm going to I'm gonna throw in here too. I always made my, um, uh, my reporting of my income very high. You know, I made it very, very high and high six figures and they didn't ask for any verification of it. But it's just like y'all told me the way they verified is they look at your credit, your utilization on your credit card. It's OK. Well, if you're yeah. making X amount of dollars and these credit cards need to be paid off every month. But if you saying, well, I make two hundred thousand dollars a year and you can't pay off a five thousand dollar credit card, you lying. Exactly. Exactly. Because wealthy people are not paying interest. They're earning it. That's right. Exactly. It is a mindset that you have to acquire. And, um, and once you do, what I found is, I, 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 I mean, I love the game. You know, it, it is a game. I look at it as a game. And um, once you understand the rules to the game, yeah. <laughs> you can enjoy Everything playing it a little bit more. I, I think what we need yeah. to also touch on now, and I'm going to bring tomorrow back in, is we need to start talking about, okay, income, revenue. Okay, well, how are you going to get the money to consistently pay for all of this stuff that we're talking about. And one of the things that I think is, hey, you know, real estate, you know, um, maybe tomorrow you may want to chime in on this a little bit and give us some of your insights into making money. Um, as far as I think that everybody should have something that creates passive income. You're earning income while you sleep. Um, a lot of people have, have said that the equity in their home, and this is the way it, it has been set up for years, can also be a bank for you. Um, 
if you have, I'm trying to see a really good place where I could say people can start off from. Let's say, for instance, if you're in New York, you're in Chicago, you own a four-family or two-family flat. You are going to live in one part of the flat, and you're going to have tenants that will service the debt on the other end. And then the difference of that, you get to pocket it, or that goes towards your taxes and insurances. I think um, anytime you have a vehicle that will allow you to create it, and again, like um, it was something that one of the women mentioned earlier, any money that is borrowed, it cannot, it's any money that you have to pay back, it can't be taxed. Okay? So, say for instance, you wanted to finance a business and you wanted to pull some of the equity out of your home. You, she was talking about lines of credit and different things that you can pull. You have, that, you have that equity in your home that you can draw off of that can finance businesses and that can further whatever your, whatever your aspirations are. So I see real estate investing, Airbnbs, different, all these different things that speak to housing people it's always a positive flow of income because the bottom line is people are always going to need a roof over their head. I don't care what's going on in the economy. I don't care if we're at war. I don't care who's, um, if there's a Republican or a Democrat in the house. It does not matter. People are always, that's a basic need, shelter. And if you, if, if you focus your business mind or if you focus what you're doing around human basic needs, services, or things that you can provide, I think you can never go wrong. So that's why bricks, houses, shelter has always been, to me, the cornerstone of our economy. It's been the cornerstone of our economy. It's the cornerstone of uh, creating wealth. And you cannot, if you can provide shelter, you have income that's coming in. If you have multifamilies, you, have, you can live in one. You can rent out the other unit. Again, you're servicing the debt, and you're creating income as well. So nothing's coming out of your pocket. I also, you also know that in time, assets appreciate. Real estate is going to appreciate. Yes, you have, some, you have some things. You have the ebb and flow of the real estate industry and what's going on. But, but for the most part, you're always going to get appreciation. Whether it's a small amount or a large amount, you're always going to get appreciation. One of the things that I'm really keen on right now is all of the inner cities where our communities live, everybody talks about gentrification that's going on in New York, Chicago. Once, they, once it becomes, becomes a ghetto and it becomes um, all of the services are gone, then we basically leave, and then the white people, they come back, they rebuild these communities, and they make them profit centers. And now we've basically been pushed out. One of the things that I witnessed happen in um, Brooklyn, Bedford-Stuyvesant, is basically blacks own a lot, blacks own all of Brooklyn free and clear. They have brownstones that have been in their family for generations, generations, and generations. So they're basically free and clear. You have white prospectors that decide, okay, we're tired of Brooklyn being a ghetto, the high crime, and so forth. So they come into the neighborhood. We sell our property for pennies on the dollar, and then they again turn them in productive communities. And now the and now the tax the tax um, the tax bracket has been raised so high that we can't pay the taxes. 
We can no longer live in communities that were ours, and they pretty much come and take over. And I always say, why are we waiting for someone else to regentrify our community? I believe in buying back the block. We can make, we don't have to wait for somebody else to come and invest. We can do that ourselves. So when you're talking about credit, when you're talking about leverage, I believe in JV. I believe in the power of numbers. Let three of us that have 800 FICO scores and we can leverage and borrow 5 or $10 million from a bank, go buy back our block. When you invest in the future in that way, you cannot go wrong. So you don't have to wait for someone else to come and create these utopias in, in our communities. We can do them ourselves. So when, you, when you're talking about the insurance aspect, when you talk about the credit, the credit aspect, all of these dynamics, if we put them together and we work in, in concert with one another, we can make an impact on what is happening in our communities and we can have a say-so in our children's future. And that is where, that's, that's kind of where my focus always is because you can build schools. You can build, you can have your own groceries. You can do all of these things with the tools that all of you guys have spoke of today. It's, it's, I see other communities do it, and I don't see why we can't. If you're in Atlanta, you have Koreatown, you have Chinatown, all these other ethnicities have come into our communities. They make all their money off the black dollar. They take it back to their communities, and they grow their communities. They put their children through college. They do everything on our black dollar because we're not circulating our currency and keeping it in our community. When you talk about, again, really, if you talk about land, if I'm a farmer, I can make produce, I can create good foods, and I can sell them at the local market in my community to my people. So you don't have these food deserts that are all across all of the um, urban areas in our country, food deserts, where we're stuck with having to buy the shit that they sell to us. That's not good for us. So when we're talking about finances, when we're talking about insurance, all of these things tie into, it, you should think of things from a holistic point of view. I'm talking about financial wealth, your health is, a, is a, how healthy you are, that's wealth. Um, our education, all of these things, it's, it's the totality of us as people and everything and, and us as a community. A community is a place where you store your values and you have your traditions. And I think that we are, we're in the information age where we can connect with one another through so many different streams. And we should start getting together, using our talent, and creating think tanks where we can rebuild our communities so we can further. So I'm just a person that's always, like, thinking, I was always taught that you have to give back. I was always taught that I am my brother's keeper. So I'm not, you know, okay, you, you've got your education. You've made it big. I was always taught you have to reach back and pull somebody up. Reach one, teach one. And this show is, is very important because a lot of the things that all of us are discussing, you would really be surprised that the majority of our people have no idea 
It wasn't until these women spoke about insurance and what and these different vehicles. I had no idea about this stuff. So they have opened a complete door. They've opened my mind to a whole other realm of possibilities of what I can do to help my family and what I can do to help my community. Are you guys there? Well said. Here. I, oh, everybody's so quiet. That was well said, by the way, Tamar. Yeah, very well. Said. Yeah, let me uh yeah, it was very very well said. Let me speak on on uh cash flow and acquiring uh you know some sort of uh you know revenue stream for yourself. If all of you out there, you know, I'm going to tell you a little story. My house, I was living in my house by myself. And my neighbor came over to my house one time and she said, "You have a nice house. Um and you have a lot of empty bedrooms here. You ought to Airbnb your house." And I was like, Airbnb my house. I was like, nah, I'm not going to Airbnb my house. And say, no, you should Airbnb your house. And um, I thought about it, went two weeks, and she came back over and said, look, you know, you ought to Airbnb your house. And I said, okay, okay, I'll Airbnb the house. So I took one of my bedrooms and um, put it on, took some pictures and everything, put it on Airbnb. And the first month, I made enough income to pay for the house and my automobile. And that shocked me. That shocked me. Wow. I was like, wow. I said, man, this is, this, this is a moneymaker. And so I expanded. I added another bedroom. I had another home uh, that I owned. And I was having somebody rented it. Uh, when they left, I didn't want to rent it anymore. I stopped renting it, and I converted it over to Airbnb. And my friend was telling me, man, I don't know why you're Airbnb in this house. Uh, it's not in... It's not in a, uh, the location like where you live. It's not as nice as a home as where you live. You're not going to make any money with this. And uh, two years later, it's my biggest money maker. It's a three-bedroom, one-bathroom ba- uh, one house. And it consistently stays rented out. And I'm telling you all of this to say that you may have the means at your disposal right now to change your situation. I really like Airbnb, the idea. And I'm looking at these ideas these people have come up with, like Airbnb and Uber and all this. I'm like, man, how did these guys come up with these ideas that required almost no uh, investment in any type of brick and mortar or anything like that? They didn't have to, Uber didn't have to buy any cars. You know, Airbnb didn't have to buy any houses. They just developed software. And they are yes. all over the world. They're making money every second of every day from yes. people all over the world. And how do you got access to these ideas? And that's where I think we need to get into the uh, esoteric aspects of the conversation next is vibration. Like, how do we get to access these right. ideas? Because, yeah, in order for us to come together and make money, yeah, we can, co- we can come together and make money and get money and things like that. But what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We got three people with 800 uh, FICO scores and access to capital. Okay, what are you going to invest exactly. your capital in? You know, I'm tired of, I'm tired, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm tired of beauty shops. I'm tired of barber shops. I'm tired of chicken wing stands. <laughs> I'm tired of pool halls. I'm tired of that, that traditional, I'm tired of going to the arts festival and everybody's trying to sell me the same thing, some beads and bracelets and all this kind of stuff, you know, that we all get into. It's almost like you can't think of anything else to do. You can't, you can't use your imagination or is it that you can use your imagination, but you're afraid 
uh, you know, to chase after that dream or that image in your imagination. Let's talk about that. You know, who is going to be the progenitors of the future of a new uh, of these ideas? I'm, I'm I'm watching Elon Musk and everything. Him going from you know his first business was Zip something to um, then he went to PayPal, then he went to uh, uh, um, uh, Tesla uh, car names at SpaceX. And I'm looking at all the things he went through, but he dared to dream and he dared to chase his dream. And that's what I'm seeing about individuals who change the world. These guys are changing the world. So the thing I'm asking everybody out there, what kind of legacy are you going to leave for yourself? Are you trying to build a legacy for yourself? What are you going to do? How do you want to be remembered? Do you have a dream? Are you afraid? Are you chasing that dream or did you give up on that dream? I'm telling you right now, if you gave up on your dream, just die. Roll over and die. You're no good to the world or to yourself anymore. It's a wrap. Joseph, I Don't give up on your have, dream. I think we have to do away with a lot of generational curses. When we, when the things that you speak all black, all people talk about is man. You know, when you ask somebody how how they're doing, I'm just getting by. I'm barely making it. I mean, it is these conversations that you have in your head that are going to continue to show up and manifest in your life. It is how we speak about ourselves. It is what we think of ourselves. It is, and I know you ladies can definitely attest to what you tell yourself, what you see. It is the reason that they. Optics are very important. When, chill, when a lot of young people saw Barack Obama become the first black president or the first black president in their lifetime, it is the optics of what that did for all of us. I don't know where you guys were when he got elected, but I think black people, and I, I heard a lot of black people say when they walked outside the day after the election, they, they stood 10 feet taller. Because now it's somebody that looks like me that tells me this is possible. Can you guys expound? Can you guys expound on what I'm trying to say in regards to the optics or or knowing what is possible for you? you have well, to I mean, anything's possible. First of all, anything is possible. All right, if you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. And that phrase is based and rooted in natural law, which is the law of attraction, the law of love, that anything that you can conceive, you can achieve as long as you believe it, and you can believe it firmly. I'm not talking about wishful thinking. I'm talking about an earnest, deep-seated feeling inside of yourself that it is possible for you. Uh, you know, And that's going to require a change in the thought processes of individuals. The basis for all success is the law of attraction. It's the law of attraction. I've studied wealthy people. I made it my business to study wealthy people all, all over the planet, modern and in the past. And every time, without fail, without fail, and studying these people, at some point, they wrote down their goals. They said their affirmations. Grant Cardone, he's, a, he's one right now that's modern. You know, same thing. He said, I say my affirmations every day, you know, before he made his money and everything. They all had problems. They all had hurdles that they had to overcome, mountains that had to be cast into the sea, and so forth. All of them had these things that they encountered at some point in, on their road toward success. 
you know, and they all overcome. They they all had this um this um uh, uh this way about themselves that they would not give up. And those are the components of success. Okay, you have to set a goal. Okay, and you can't give up. You have to be persistent. That's what success is, the progressive realization of a worthy ideal on a daily basis. You have to be persistent. And in order for you to be persistent, you have to love what you do, because if you don't love what you do, you will not persistently go after it. So if you're doing Joe, something right wait, now wait, that you Joe, Joe, I just want to stop you right there. Before you get to the masters and the people that you study, think back, look at yourself as a child. What seed was planted? Who planted the seed? Because they're way before you are the man that you are now. There is something that was put in you to bring you into that was. I would say I, I, I would tell you what it was. I, t- I I grew up in poverty, so I didn't like I didn't like not mean. having money. <laughs> I didn't like not having money. I mean, I didn't like being broke. I can't stand being broke. You know what I'm saying? I just I just <laughs> didn't like that feeling. And I think some people. You know, they uh, some people are content with their situation, and I never was content with my situation. You know, that's an interesting question you have. Okay, what seed was planted? And when I think back when I was little, I think it was what was fostered into me by my grandparents was a high level of self-esteem for myself. Okay, that was just all of what it is. It was self-esteem. It wasn't really, uh, you're going to be this, or you're going to be this when you grow up. I really don't, don't remember anything like that. It was just a thing where um, I was constantly uh, re- it was constantly reinforced in me that I am somebody uh, that I'm intelligent, that I'm smart, and um, that I can do what anybody else can do. I never was given any type of uh, inferiority complex as when it comes vice versa, other races or anything like that. It was always just you know just a belief in myself. So you know that trans that grew as I got older. And I still got a lot of confidence in me. You know, I'm not, you know, I can't stand bitch-ass niggas. I just cannot stand bitch-ass niggas. And let me, let me tell you what I mean by bitch-ass niggas. I can't stand people who invest all the energy watching other people. I mean, you know, it's like yeah. looking at, you know, okay, this guy over here, you know, what he's doing, and then expending energy trying to destroy or tear down what they're building up, which is a damn waste of time. Because if they are focused and they're doing what there's nothing you can do to stop an individual who's focused. Nothing. All you're going to do is assist him. Because whatever infra, whatever you put out negative or positive, it's not doing anything but assisting. It's not doing anything but assisting. So the thing about it is it's focused if you have a goal, a worthy goal. Okay, that you can set in your mind. If you believe that you, if you can see yourself in a better place, if you understand how the laws work, because that's another thing that you have to be educated on natural laws, how they operate. Okay, to your benefit, right? So you can bring yourself into harmony with those laws, then you can achieve anything. But it wasn't anything in particular I can point out that when I was younger, other than the fact that one thing that I can say about my grandparents is they put. They made sure that I had self-esteem about myself. And self-esteem is power. Self-esteem is courage. All right? You're gonna, you, know, you believe you have the courage to do and go out and do some things, pull the trigger, and go out and actively do it. And I've been successful in a lot of different things that I've done over my lifetime because I've always believed in myself. I've always believed in myself. But anyway, hey, we're, we're beginning to run out of time. 
we're going to get to that on the natural law show. You know, I'm going to do a natural law show. We're going to revisit this subject and we can get in some of these esoteric principles because these are the things, you know, a lot of times you hear people talk about, um, you know, finance and things like that, but there's an invisible world that supports all of that, you know, that supports all of that, you know, and it's, and it, and it's rooted in the way that you think thought becomes things. Okay. You know, there's a cause and effect. The cause is the thought. The effect, the effect is the manifestation. There is no power in the effect. The power is in the cause. The power is in thought, mind power. Okay? So we got to understand that. And the ability to think positively, consistently. Uh, okay? When you see negative thoughts invading your mind, you're able to dispel them, you know, through an effort of will out of your mind. Okay, and sometimes negative things will happen in your life, but those negative things are contributing to a positive outcome. It may be rooting something out in your character and in your life that needs to be rooted out so you can achieve the goal that you set before yourself. But anyway, we'll get to all of that. I I want before we get off, I'm going to give it time for all the sisters to give their information. I want the sisters to give their contact information of how people can get in contact with you. If they have further questions on any of the things that we talked about in this show, y'all go ahead and, uh, you know, I'm giving y'all time to promote yourself. So, you know, go on and promote yourself, put yourself out there now. All right. Right. Well, this is Shanti Fion. I am the owner of Grace of Goshen Insurance. I can be reached by email or toll-free number. My toll-free number is 888-323-9223. If you'd like to find out exactly how to establish your own bank, understand how it works, or to have a free, no obligation or review of your insurance setup, you want to reach out to me at 888-323-9223, or you can email me at info at grace, G-R-A-C-E, of O-F Goshen. G-O-S-H-E-N dot com. Info at com. Hi, this is Shoni Mion. If you'd like to contact me directly, whether it be for business loans, business credit, personal credit, or a financial plan, you can call me directly at 404-900-8706. Hi, this is Tamara Lee, and if you're interested, if you want to know real estate investing, if you ever thought that you couldn't get in it because you weren't licensed or you thought that you couldn't get into real estate investing uh, because you didn't have the funds or the money, um, one of the good things that I can say that I have that a lot of the gurus out here don't have, I have a financial background as well as a real estate background, so I can assist you in acquiring the property and basically guide you step-by-step if you're a beginner, advanced, or intermediate from owning a small house all the way to commercial, um, to commercial property. Um, my number is 678-551-8180, and I just want to let you guys know that I'll have webinars and classes coming up in 2020 so I can, like, hold your hand and we can walk through all of these things step by step. I have a process that I have pretty much um, – I've pretty much worked out all the kinks, made all the mistakes, so you don't have to, so it doesn't matter what state you reside in. If you follow this process and this network that I'm going to show you how to build, you'll be able to, you'll be able to create wealth through real estate. 
All right. Yeah, and I, I think, Shawnee, y'all going to do a, a webinar, too. We got a webinar coming up uh, with the sisters and everything. I'm going to be posting that on the uh, down in the uh, uh, the information below this uh, be- below this uh, this stream that y'all are listening to. Also, and I also be posting it at a uh, uh, SPC University. Um, make sure you get over to SPC University if you haven't checked it out. Um, enrolled in the classes, the online classes. We got a lot of new stuff coming in 2020 for you. The 2020 twin. We got it coming for you and everything. I'm back on the air. Um, you know, I, you know, this radio is my first love. I had to, I had to, I had to go on a, uh, on a, um, a retreat, uh, uh, because, you know, I had to rest, man. Y'all know I've been doing this like seven years, you know, just answering the same questions over the air. I know y'all miss me and everything, but you know, I had to just take me a break, man. And I got to give a shout out to Sot L for holding it down. My man has been holding down high frequency radio by himself. Uh, I always hear he always give me a shout out. I gotta give that brother a shout out. He's held it down. He's done a tremendous job here at high frequency radio. Y'all don't even understand how much I appreciate this man and the things that he's done right, for this particular network. But we gonna give these two sisters right here a show. Okay, they're gonna be on their own show. Also, we're gonna bring the feminine energy back on. Uh, so they can come on and start talking. Y'all can call in and huh? Say what? It's three of us. Three of you. Well, you know, I'm gonna give y'all different shows. You know, if y'all want to do it together or have your own show, you know, we can. You know, we work that out. We spread it out a little bit. You know, um, but uh, we gonna we gonna y'all, we gonna bring the the feminine energy back. Bring the sisters back in here and everything. Bring some feminine energy back to high frequency radio. And with that, y'all, I want to thank everybody for listening today. Um, we'll be back on. Probably be back on tomorrow. Check us out tomorrow and everything. Just check. Uh, go into our, um, our, our high frequency radio. I mean, I'm sorry, blogtalkradio.com forward slash high frequency. You can see the listing of the shows, all of our past shows um, in our um, archive section that's on there. Go in there and check those out as well. All right. And I want to thank, thank my for, guests thank and my panel. No problem. No problem. You're welcome. You're welcome. I want to thank my panel and my thank guests you, for coming. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. And I want to thank everybody. Hey, look, y'all have a happy new year. All right. Set you some goals for yourself. Get you some affirmations. You know, one of the affirmations I use is every minute of every day, millions of dollars are flowing to me now, instantly, effortlessly, naturally now. All right. There's a video on YouTube I got that talks about it, everything. It's a little bit more involved in that. But get you some sort of affirmation together. You know, it's all about health, wealth, and happiness. Happiness being the end game for you. You know, you want to be happy and everything, whatever makes you happy. And you need wealth because you need wealth so, so the creator of the boundless universe can use you to bless other individuals. And with that, you got to learn to be a good custodian of wealth. So with that, I want to thank everybody. Peace to all the gods and goddesses. Um, like I said, check us out. Make sure you uh, uh, you stay uh, connected with us, so you know we are. Uh, you know you know whether or not we're on or not, because uh, we're gonna stay on. All right. But you've been listening to the hottest radio network on the planet. And hold on, y'all. Let me add one more little thing in here for y'all and everything. Before we go, before we go. Make sure I got everything. I need yeah. Check your check the message board underneath this stream. 
and we're going to have, you know, have some goodies for you and everything. We're going to be doing some webinars and things like that coming on, uh, coming in very, very soon. All right. So peace to all the gods and goddesses. And I'll see y'all next time on high frequency radio. Peace y'all. I'm out. Thanks for starting your day with the rules to the game with your host, Yusuf L on high frequency radio network. Now back to the show. my last dollar getting here one way ticket and you're talking to me about healing through belief you're a man looking at the world through a keyhole and you've spent your whole life trying to widen that keyhole to see more to know more and now on hearing that it can be widened in ways you can't imagine you reject the possibility no, i reject it because i do not believe in fairy tales about chakras or energy or the power of belief there is no such thing as spirit we are made of matter and nothing more. You're just another tiny, momentary speck within an indifferent universe. You think too little of yourself. Oh, you think you see through me, do you? Well, you don't. But I see through you! your astral form out of your physical form. What's in that tea? Psilocybin? LSD? Just tea. With a little honey.
High Frequency Radio.